Welcome to Shoot the Breeze, where we take a nostalgic look at a random football magazine from the past. I'm Andy Smith, aka Scotch Footy Cards on Twitter, and with me is Tom Brogan. Hello. In each episode, we'll invite a special guest to join us trolling through the magazine and discuss anything contained within it. This could be anything from an article, to a photo, to a competition, to an advert. Basically, if it's in it, then we'll talk about it. So sit back and let's shoot the breeze. Wriggles clear. Might just get the chip and he does, he's scored! Oh, what a great pass! This week we're joined by former SPL assistant referee Stephen Craven. Thanks Hi. for joining us, Stephen. How you doing, guys? Uh, well, we're going to do something a bit different from what we normally do. So what we normally do is we have a single magazine that we all go through. But with your refereeing background, what we've decided to do is a, a, a best of or a compendium of lots of refereeing uh, articles and you know basically things from all my collection. So we'll do that instead and see how that goes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I've... I've got the the magazine here that I've printed out for you. So if we just start at the beginning, uh, the first one is from this was actually from a, a more recent magazine, but it just says right up at the top there was a Scottish referee in 1958 at the World Cup panel who was called Edward Charles Faultless. Uh, I wonder if he was faultless in his decision making, Tom. <laughs> what do you reckon? Um, so. What would you call that? Nominative determinism? Is that quite that? You're throwing big words at it. It's just early It's where your name, your surname sort of reflects what you I mean, okay, okay I'll, we'll, we'll move on from that then. It is a bit early. The next article here is, it's a bit dodgy being a referee, and it's from Charles Buckins Football Monthly magazine from August 1962. So this article shows some photographs of a referee being attacked on the pitch, uh, the game took place in New York between Italian side Palermo and Mexican champions Guadalajara. The referee is Conrad Giro, and he'd sent off Faustino, Faustino Pinto of Palermo in the second half, and that's when the attacks happened. And there was 60 or so fans rushed onto the pitch and attacked him. The magazine suggests he was wearing a pedometer to track the distance covered in the game, and he ended up travelling six and a half miles. Has there been any, any cases where you've had... Fans come onto the pitch in your, your professional career? Uh, I wouldn't say my professional career, but right. certainly junior football. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you being a Clyde Bank man, um, I'm, I'm sure it's it's a lot better now, but uh, back in the day, um, there was a lot of hairy incidents, you know, like with, with people coming onto the park and, you know, like trying to be attacked and all that. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend up in Dundee who was refereeing. Dundee North End juniors and he was actually physically assaulted yeah. uh, broken tooth burst lip made, made the, the national newspaper so is it, is it something that you go into certain games actually thinking about uh, no no oh. no because if, if that that was the case you wouldn't do it at all right. you know you, you don't want to put yourself in that situation but um, no you you just go out there and hope that you can do your best <laughs> and yeah. but everybody's going to agree up. with you you know yeah. Okay, so while we're on um, referees being attacked, the next one is on page three here, and it's from Goal Magazine from August 1968. And the photograph that accompanies the article is sort of giving us a wee bit of a taste of what this is about. 
So it's got a, a pistol with a bunch of bullets and the line is essential for referees, question mark. So the article is actually about listing the items that are essential for referees to take to the field with and the items they list, we'll see if this is still the case. They say two watches, two whistles, two pencils, one coin, one notepad, one score pack, scorecard, and interestingly, one pocket knife. <laughs> um, is a pocket knife uh, an essential item in the... Never been a refereed football, no, 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 no absolutely I, 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 I mean, I can, I can see situations, but, you know, if you need to do an emergency tracheotomy or something like that, but other than that, Tom... No, no. The only thing I could think that you would need your knife for is sharpening your pencil if your lead went blunt during the game. That's probably what it's for. I never uh, even thought I, of that. I yeah, I'm, so. I'm, I'm thinking of you know, all the, the negative reasons that you could have that. Uh, so the article continues by saying that they hope that they never regard as essential one item taken on by a referee. And the story goes on. There was a soccer referee who took no nonsense when a player disputed his penalty decision. No one challenges my authority, he said, and then he pulled out a, a 38mm automatic, shot the player dead and then fled. Uh, the incident apparently occurred in Brazil and it was a spectator who volunteered when the referee failed to turn up for a friendly match. And they sort of have a wee joke here and say, as the handbook says, the referee's decision is final. It doesn't sound much. I wonder why the referee never turned up for that one in the first place. Maybe it's just gone back to he knew there was going to be trouble there. Yep. But there's actually, there seems to be a couple of stories about this. And, you know, I think sometimes you can take them with a little bit of salt. They're maybe being embellished over time. Um, that People in football tend to do that with their stories. So the, the next article here is, Are We Too Rough on Our Referees? And again, this is from Goal Magazine on the 28th of September, 1968. So this question is being put to a club chairman and a fan. And the club chairman is Bob Kelly, who was a Celtic chairman, I think, at the time. So Celtic chairman Bob Kelly says on the subject of referees, Referees are much more respected in Scotland than they have, and they have more control than in England or on the continent. Kelly was chairman of the SFA for four years and is still a member of the FA Council at the time. He also believes that we will never get two clubs to agree on decisions given by a referee in a game, which is, you know, that's fair enough. I think that's still the case. And he goes on, he says, but what I believe is that the man in the middle must, above all, be a man who can keep control. This is the type of man we have in Scotland. We have our share of troubles up here, but it's kept under control. We have a system whereby supervisors who are ex-referees go to games and report on the referee's performance. That way an eye is kept on the general standard. And the magazine goes on to say this system has now been introduced in England. And Kelly says that it's vital for that referees are back to the help of the referees committee. In England, sometimes referees feel they don't get enough support. So, I mean, a couple of interesting things to take from that was that you know, it was in Scotland first where the, I guess the referees, um, what would you call the assessors or it seems to be that that's where it originated from and, you know, England followed suit. Yeah. Um, and obviously another one is that the referees committee in England didn't seem to back them enough, which I mean, in my entire life, it always seems to have been, and it does get said this about surround, you know, surrounding the wagons which I, I can understand as well. I can understand because it's, it's, you know, there's no getting away from how tough a job it is. And, you know, you've got 22 players and more 
against you, maybe with, you know, if you're lucky, you've got two linesmen. So, about that, any, anything, anything about all that? The In terms of the support that you get, is it, is it, do you think it is enough? Do you think it's too much? Do you think it's adequate? Is there more that can be done? Is it, you know, is there a argument, I guess, for more openness from the referees, which I think is... I mean, that, that, that's. I guess that's what I'm trying to get here is that, for me, I think it got trialled a few years ago in the Scottish game where referee, some referees came out and explained things a little bit, and I don't know why it got stopped. Because it always ended up in an argument, because people wouldn't accept the referees' answers, right. wouldn't accept their explanation. They thought they knew better, even though they've, they've never read the laws of the game completely, mm. never refereed a match, but they think they can say, no, I disagree with you. Yeah. So so it's it's not like a level playing field where they've both got the same experience and then they're, they're talking about an incident that happened in the park. Mm. They're, they're like, well, you've seen that wrong. Well, that's how I, I, I called that decision. I think the, the, the statistics for a, a match is a referee's got to make a decision every four seconds. You know, that's how yeah. many decisions a referee's got to make during a game. Now, if if I get 99% of the decisions right, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. You know, because we don't always have the same angle, which maybe gives you a different perspective on how that incident looked. So I've got an angle, no, that wasn't a handball. You've got an angle that, that might show that it was a handball, yeah. but I'm taking up the correct position that, that we've been told to take up to, to get the majority of our decisions right during the game so yeah. I mean so, talking talk about the angle there it's something that's always fascinated me a bit because you know having played a bit of football and stuff as well when you're at ground level it's a completely different game than when you're elevated yeah. and I've always sort of wondered you know would linesmen get their decisions better and easier if they were elevated as well I mean obviously with the referee you're in amongst it and I just think being at that sort of level is really, it's not the best level for actually seeing the game. If you're stand, yeah. you know, up in the stand, you've got a better view. You can see right across the park, so you're not looking just through bodies. So, I mean, I don't know how you would do that other than yeah. a hot air balloon or well, something. When, when, what we were talking about earlier on was, you know, like the, the supervisors uh, come into games to, to pass on their knowledge and all yeah. that, and that, that's where this gets put into place. When when you're you're out watching an amateur referee, which I I do just now, I go out and, and I help all the young amateur referees get to junior football. I'm showing them the best position to get into. Now it, it's completely different from when you've got assistant referees. Because when you've got assistant referees, you're running your diagonal yeah. and you're always keeping your assistant to your right hand side as as you move into the last third of the field of play. You're you're running to the left unless yeah, the yeah. ball's going right down there. So so you you pass on that knowledge and. To the, to the referees when they've not got assistants saying, look, you can't run the diagonal just now. Once you get to junior football and assistant referees, then we'll start to change your game slightly. But you've, you've got to referee amateur football in such a way where you're closer to play the majority of the time and not taking up the best position. So I think it's, it's fascinating the amount of thought. And maybe a, a lot of people, including myself, don't appreciate that sort of level of detail. You know, you're talking about moving the, in the diagonals and having them on the right-hand side. So hearing things like that, that and it comes back to the whole referees explaining. People aren't going to believe them whether they explain it or not. It's maybe if we just keep explaining it, the education will eventually get through. So maybe it was a case of 
we've just got to persevere with it. Yeah. And, you know, eventually something's going to rub off and they'll learn the actual rules yeah. rather than just assuming. So what was it that first got you interested in becoming a referee, Stephen? That, that was just total chance because I, I, I was a very keen amateur football player and I got a very bad ankle injury um, um, playing uh, at the end of the, the season and I went over a, a rut where the, the tractor had been rolling the park but you know the, the, the park must have been wet and then it, the, the tractor left this kind of you know muddy bit mm. and it's it's dried out with the, the warmer weather and, and I went right over and, and I ruptured the, the tendons in my right ankle and, and I tried to carry on the following season and it was just absolute agony so I, I, if even just running my ankle would swell up and cause so much pain and, and kicking the ball was just it was just getting harder so I, I was only like 22, 23 at the time so I thought I would like to still keep fit you know I, I was always running as a boy and all that um, and, I, and I, I thought maybe if I took up the refereeing yeah. so, so I went and I, I found out a bit about it and I went to the, the Glasgow uh, referee course yeah. and uh, I met a guy who I actually played against in the Scottish Amateur Cup the year before and broke his collarbone <laughs> <laughs> accidentally, of course. Uh, uh, basically, you saying referees are just old crocs. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, <laughs> something similar to crocs. <laughs> so what, was, what was the course like in those, in those days? The, the, uh, that was in uh, 94, I right. sat my exam. Um, it, it, it was really good fun. You had uh, guys like Donnie Brooks, who was an ex-Class 1 referee, ran the line in the Scottish Cup final between Celtic and Dundee United and run about... 85? Uh, the 1-0 game. One, yeah. uh, 85 was 2-1. Was it 2-1? Yeah, Maybe I've got the score wrong, but it was Celtic, Dundee United. Don, Donnie ran the line in yeah. that. He was a Class 1 referee. And uh, Bernie Logue was the other guy. He wasn't a senior referee. Um and they, they made the, the, the course fun, you know, like giving you examples, showing you clips and talking through what instances, what would you do if this happened and, and everybody's given their yeah, toppings worth. And yeah. Well, I, I done the course in 2010 right. at, at Strathclyde Union. It was Charlie Smith. Yeah, Charlie. Was yeah. It, and Mick, was it Mick McGarkey, Mick? I can't remember. And Graham McNally. McNally, yeah, yeah. Uh, aye. Uh, again, it was much the same thing. There was one night where they showed clips Yep. It was interesting because we say, what would you do there? And people were like, oh, that's handball, blah, blah. And they would go, where's the handball? Let's look at it again. And they would go, oh, right, I thought. No, but there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, no it's play on. Yeah. So there was, there was, it was quite interesting to see what you would do, what yeah. you would do in the moment. But again, like you say, it was, it was great because you got their first-hand yeah. knowledge. And what I felt about it was a lot of common sense. Yeah. It was refereeing to common, common sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's totally different. I mean, before you look at a game from a referee's point of view, you, you don't think about what a referee's doing. You don't think about his position in the park and what he's thinking. You just think, oh, that was a great pass. Oh, oh there that guy's making a run. If he pings that ball. But then for, for when you when you then start to look at it from a referee's perspective, you're thinking, right, if he cuts across there now, he's... You can tell he's going to bring him down if he runs through there. You, you, it changes your way of thinking, right, right. you know. So you, you watch you watch games in a completely different perspective for, for what you did as a football fan. Yeah. So are you watching it from a perspective of your viewing it in, in terms of what might happen that might be, you know, a foul or something, rather than just looking at the play and seeing how it goes and then something happens and you think, OK, I'll deal with that. So you're, yep. you're anticipating. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, having, having played football and then taking up refereeing, you, you know what it's like when you take one for the team. Mm. You know, like it's the guy's running away, he's going over the halfway line, and if he gets by, you know, by you, he's going to be one in one with the defence, and then he's got maybe a chance. So you, yeah. you know, you would pull him, pull his shirt, or you would bring him down, and it's an easy caution. And being a referee that was an ex football player, Sometimes you're actually saying, Oh, you need to bring him down, you know, <laughs> and then he brings him down, and you're like, ah, Right, right, well, I need to deal with that now. And and you get sometimes you get a good rapport with the guys, you know, like you'll say to them, Look, I'm having to caution you for that. He went, I know I had to take one for the team, and you'll say, Listen, I'd have done the same myself. Yeah. I says, But I've got to issue a caution for that, you yeah. know, and then you warn them if you persist in any further misconduct, you'll be awarded, uh, you'll be offered, uh, ordered off the field of play, mm. you know. So, but um, no, it's I think it's better if you've been a referee that's actually played the game to a certain standard because you 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 can anticipate what players are actually going to do. Yeah. So. I think I think that's one that's one of the major frustrations with um, some of the I guess some of the younger referees coming through and more of the experienced ones as well. I guess it is it is about they're just applying the laws of the game rather than refereeing the game. But I guess that's what they've been told to do and that's yeah. what they've been marked on and marked down on if they don't. So what you're saying that, Tom, that, you know, common sense was applied. There is still common sense, but I think it's it, it's got less and less, isn't it? It's now it could almost be that you could have automatons actually refereeing the game if they could do it somehow, that's what they would do. No. Oh well it was it was interesting uh to me, and that a lot, a lot. I mean, a lot of the decisions are basically open to interpretation. Yeah. I think there's a lot of looseness in, in the laws of the game and how how you how you see it, kind of thing. And I think at that training course, it was a lot of look. Don't get yourself into bother here. This is you know you've got a wee bit of room to manoeuvre, and it was basically use your common sense here. I mean, do do you feel as though that referees are allowed to have a personality? Or express a personality on the, on the, the field. Abs- absolutely, yeah. um, you know. Like that, I think that's what can make a, a difference between one referee and another. You know, like you know, like you, you turn up for a game and you've got some referees that's in your league where, when you walk into the pa- onto the park, the, the players will say, "Oh, I'm glad it's you this week. Mm. I can talk to you." We had that referee last week. I says to him, "Oh, come on, referee, that's never a foul," and I get booked. Yeah. You know, so I mean, everybody interprets the laws differently. Um, and you're mentioning common sense there, but they keep tweaking the laws every year so that there's no common sense. You know, there's it's black and white. So if somebody does this, then this is a card or, yeah. or that's a warning. You know, mm. everything, every scenario that's played out in a football park has now got something that's that's can be dealt with according to the laws of the game. I guess it's. it's Different. They try to get this consistency to decisions across everything, but not every situation where the same thing happens should have the same outcome. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. We'll move back to this. So we've we've heard from the club chairman um, on whether we're too rough on referees. So John Heppel, who lives in Blythe, just outside Newcastle, and says he's a typical Newcastle supporter. His criticism of referees is frank and constructive. And he says, I don't believe, first of all, that full-time referees would make a difference. That wouldn't improve their eyesight, courage or integrity. Most referees wouldn't want to give up secure jobs. I do think something must be done to tighten up in the violence we are now seeing. The referees are no longer stamping on things early enough. 
There are only a few whom the players respect. If the Football League backed up referees more by hitting harder at the clubs as well, the, as the player, it would be better. So there's a bit of theme there that regarding referees not being backed by the authorities. So it appears that you know they, they didn't think the referees were getting that, which is interesting. Um, and some would say they're now backed up to the opposite extreme nowadays. Uh, so that, that was your typical fan. So we move on to page four. And we've got from Goal Magazine from the 15th of February 1969. And the, the heading is Referee Ordered Off. So this is referee R.D. Crawford. We're only getting initials in this one. And he's from Stirling. And he created a tiny piece of history in a Scottish second division game by sending off another referee. It was a Hamilton versus Motherwell match when Crawford sent off Hamilton goalkeeper Billy Lamont, who is the only player in the Scottish League to have passed the referee's course. <laughs> Lamont was sent off along with John Deans, who we know as Dixie Deans, after they were involved in a clash. Now... Do we think there's any professional players out there that have taken the refereeing? Oh yeah, they're definitely, they're definitely yeah, nice courses players of of their own back. Or do you think do you think it's something that's maybe done through the club or that they're made to do? Or do you think they've they've done it because they want to have that extra perspective or know more about the game? Well, certainly again, speaking from my experience of doing that course, I know there was people involved in football who were there basically to get a better understanding of the laws of the game, and there was coaches there. Amateur level or whatever to to kind of know how to manipulate the or how to work around the yeah. laws of the game kind of thing you know uh, and I think there was ex players there as well that had, that had finished kind of mm. thing again maybe getting into coaching okay so there's another one here new referees so it's, this is from goal from September '69 uh, as well there's quite a few of these from around '69. And it says, the SFA are stepping up plans to find new referees by recruiting and training their own. Special coaching classes will soon be starting throughout Scotland. Um, and my question is, well, if they're just setting up this now, how did that happen previously to that? Was it local federations and things like that that would have done it? Would it have been how, how would referees have got trained up before this point? I've really no idea mm. how... Uh, maybe it was word of mouth yeah. back then, you know. Um, maybe it was I don't know, like friends of friends, and mm. I, I know it's totally different now. I mean, I think it was about twelve or thirteen years ago they they put some procedure into place now where they they'll, they'll go to schools, secondary schools all around Scotland, and and there's posters up yeah. and and there's adverts all out saying, "Do you want to become the next Willie Collum or Craig Thompson?" And <laughs> you know, like if you're interested in refereeing, is is something that you're seri seriously considering, mm. then get in touch on this number or email below. Yeah. So it, it's completely different now for for okay. it was years ago. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so the next one, um, he, the title on this one is He Wants to Speak the Referee's Language. And this is about Martin Buchan while he was at Aberdeen. And again, it's from June 69 in Goal Magazine. So Martin Buchan at this point is 20 years old. Uh, he's left back with Aberdeen and he's learning Spanish as he believes the best way to get on with foreign referees is to learn the language. He says, when we played Zaragoza, the club asked my cousin, who teaches Spanish, to act as an interpreter. That gave me the idea that if this is the shape of things to come in football, I'd better start learning the language. I think that's a very grown-up attitude for a 20-year-old footballer to to not only recognise that, but then 
look at the future and say, hold on, things are going to change and we're going to have to... I mean, as we know, Martin moved to, to Manchester United um, and from anything I've read, he does sound like an intelligent man as well. Yep. So, you know, he seems to be ahead of the curve there. Uh, so, moving down, we've got... Being the chap with the whistle isn't as easy as it looks, is it? So, don't shoot the ref, he's got a tough job. So this is from Shoot Magazine in August 69. And it's another story of referees and shootings. This time, it's the referee that gets the bullet. Um, a story is told how a referee, having refused a penalty, was shot by the president of the team that was denied after running onto the park. This was in La Plata in Argentina in the 1930s. Shoot says that we don't treat our referees like that. However, they do take a lot of heat. Yeah, I don't think we can really compare yeah. giving a ver verbal abuse to shooting somebody. <laughs> it says the referee is everyone's target. He cannot hope to disguise his slightest mistakes from both teams. Perhaps 50,000 supporters and millions more watching on the telly at home as well. He's often blamed for violence on and off the park because he's either too tough or too lenient. Uh, Sir Stanley Rouse, ex-referee and president of FIFA, and Dennis Howell, England's Minister of Support, sympathise as well. So Rouse says, I'm told that referees are to blame for foul play. I've yet to see a referee commit a foul. Well, and I've got a comment here. Until recently, was it in that German game where the, the referee got tripped up accidentally? Oh, they kicked him. And they kicked him and sent him off, didn't yep. they? Uh -huh. and it was just like yeah, that. but that, <laughs> that was the, that referee's last game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that was... That was Generally, probably one of the craziest refereeing uh, things I've ever seen. Do you appreciate the frustration, Stephen, or um, of of the referee? Could you appreciate his frustration, or um, no? Was... I just, I, I just couldn't believe why he'd done what he'd done. <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's, you know, like when things happen to referees, and you think, oh, that, that was harsh. Why did they do that to the referee? That was uncalled for. And you're thinking, why did the referee do that? I mean, yeah. it was, it was an accident. He clipped his heels. He went down. Why to turn around and kick the player? You're like, and he, you know, he deserved to to be shown the door after that. Yeah. You know, it's you, you, we're we're meant to show the standards <laughs> and, and maintain the standards. So how can we do that if we're kicking players? You know, the thing is, I could if the referee was a player and that happened and he he kicked it, we wouldn't even given it two seconds. So, yeah. yeah. But you're absolutely right. Just to see the referee do that was absolutely. Yeah. Mind-boggling. If the referees lost control, then we've not got a game of football. Yeah. End of. And, and, and I don't know how close that was to the end of the game, but he completed the rest of the game. And how can you have the authority after that? After you've done that yeah. and compounded it by sending the player off? I just, I just don't know. Uh, it was bizarre. Yeah. So another so Stanley Rouse. So that, that the Rouse Cup was named after him. I didn't know that he was actually a referee, um, which is news to me. Uh, Howell, the England's Minister for Sport, says he would like to see more responsibility put on the shoulders of club officials advocating fines or suspensions of clubs whose players are consistently guilty of misbehaviour. Behavior. Um, it'd be an extreme measure to suspend clubs. Uh, fines deduct points of that, but, you know, f I'm, not, I'm not saying that there's not circumstances that would warrant it. But um, to actually, I can't think of any situations where a club's been suspended because of, um, you know, the behaviour on the park. Possibly 
there'll be something in South America, no doubt. Everything seems to happen in South America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're on to page five now. And this is titled Referees, Records and Rewards. So there's a, there's a few things in here, but there's only one little bit that I want to look at, and that's the first one. And it's Swedish footballer Shell Ova Berman has set a new record. He was sent off during the halftime interval. Berman was discussing a decision made by the referee, but the dressing room walls were thin, and referee Leonard Johansson had good ears. So my first question is here, do, it could be Leonard Johansson who became the president of FIFA, or UEFA. So I'm wondering if that's the same one. It may well just be a common name mm. in Sweden. Yep. But what's the rules on that, if you overhear something? I, I don't, in my, I, obviously in junior football, I've, uh, yeah, you hear that lot. quite a lot. The, the walls <laughs> yeah. are paper thin, uh, especially over at St Anthony's, you know. <laughs> um, and it, for, for what I know, there's nothing that you can do because you might have heard it, but who is it you've seen doing it? You know, yeah. like so you can hear it and you hear comments all the That's time. It's like, point, yeah. you know, like, you've got to see it. You've got to see it coming out the guy's mouth. You yeah. can't just then you then, then you're guessing at who it was. You know, so we were walking off the park at the final whistle in a game just for talking sake and yourself and Tom are behind me and I hear one hear one of you saying, you're nothing but a so-so, you know. So I turn around and I'm like, mm, who is it? And I'll go, Tom, why'd you say that, mate? That's, uh, that's, that's how I ordered you. you get whatever's coming, that's, you deserve that. Yeah. So obviously that's a guy getting sent off at half-time, but we were talking in a previous episode about early orderings off. Mm-hmm. Do you recall an incident where you've had to send a player off in the first couple of minutes and, and and what's your thoughts when you realise I'm going to have to send this guy off on my own but that, that's why the laws of the game are in place you know um, I, I would think that the, the only ever game that you would get away with it, doing that right away is an old firm match mm. because you know you know what's going to happen in an old firm ga- match either Scott Brown's going to put down a marker right away so I'm the boss here or like back in the 80s when Graham Soonis was there you know, like mm. his first game at Hibs yeah, you know yeah. bang there's my marker right you know like they'll, they'll do that so if, if you were to actually do that in an old firm send a guy off right away at the start which the, the, you, you would be entitled to do you would probably ruin the game as a spectacle mm. so it's the kind of only game that, that you would get away with we know doing a red card but uh, junior footballer I've had a red card after 7 seconds you know the the guy takes a kick off. This was before you could kick the ball back, which yeah, was yeah. changed two years ago. You guys are so wound up. So obviously you've got to take into account. You've maybe heard from your colleagues that well, I refereed that game four months ago, and these two players, well, one put in a, a terrible tackle, and you know, like nearly broke his leg, and he gets sent off. Mm. So you've you've now got that return fixture. So you've got the guy that that put in the bad tackle. That's that's had the ball kick forward and he's running onto it and this this guy's just coming running in bang straight over the ball bang snapped the leg you know and it's like red card and you're like ah, seven seconds gone and, he, and he's off the park yeah. but that happened a lot in junior football been a banker I mean I don't know what it is with, with football players and the, and the juniors they, they don't care if they're sent off you know mm. used to go to Atherley every week or every second weekend there was this player in particular who didn't he knew I would send him off and yet he's still bang he's in a wall there's an elbow in the face yeah. ball's not even been kicked no two-footed challenge guy's running past him sidewinder tackle takes him out the ribs you know I, I think I think there's a 
there's a set of people who wear it as a badge of honour, those sort of things. Yep. I mean, you see it when you see some really bad challenges posted on social media and stuff, and the comments are, oh, that's a fine, that's a great tag. And it's like, no, that's uh, that's ended this person's career. Yep. And it's all this, you know, it's a badge of honour. That, oh, that's what I would do in Sunday League. I can't be bothered with any mm. of that. But the, the example we were talking about, it was a Sunday League game in England, I think, <laughs> and... The referee blew the whistle for kickoff, and the guy standing beside him said, "Oh fuck me, that was loud." And the referee sent him off for foul, foul language. Uh, that's no foul language. That's <laughs> that, in my opinion, because we're talking about opinions here. Yeah. That that's that's industrial language. Yeah. That's no directed at the referee. That's no an insult to the referee. You know, like I, I've blown the whistle before when there's been players next to me. Like, oh. Ref, I was right in my ear hole, you. Mm. You know, and you, you just laugh and you but, see but it's, 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 just, it's, it's a wee bit of banter from Hi. them as well, isn't it? And you could probably say, well, if that's what I'm in for today, then it's going to be a good day. You know, if, if they're chatting away like that, you know, it's like so the guy's a red card, you know, a bit of, bit of banter, and it's like it just gets killed by the response mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. So. Were, there, were there particular players you enjoyed refereeing, Stephen? <laughs> I, I, I think with the, with the refereeing, it, it was always the players that you didn't enjoy refereeing, you know, <laughs> that, that, that made you think, oh God, I've got this team on Saturday and, and heed the ball place for them, you know. Um, no name any names, but there, there was certain players that were ex, uh, there was, a, I'll name this guy, um, he's uh, Tommy Turner, ex St Mirren guy. Absolutely phenomenal player. Yeah, St Johnson as well. Talking to his, uh, I, I don't know if he was with St Johnson. I remember him being with St Mirren. Yeah. For a, he's he's a, a legend up at yeah. St Mirren, and he, he played with Johnston Borough. And this man, this was all about badges honour with Tommy. You know, nobody get by him, and nobody done this, and and he, he didn't care if if he if he get sent off. He played with passion, mm. but sometimes playing with passion's no good for the team because then you're down to ten men and. Yeah. You know, it, it can cost your, your team a point or three points and you, you let them do and they're having to work harder because they're a man doing. But mm-hmm. I, I met Tommy a few years uh, when, when I was running the line at St Mirren. He was there for the, the, the day. It was actually the last game at St Mirren's Old Love Street right. before they moved to their new stadium. And and I went up, I says, Tommy, how you doing? You maybe no remember me, but I refereed you at Johnstonborough all the time. And he says, oh, I remember you. He says, I don't know your name. And I says, you know, Tommy, I, I said, I, I probably sent you off every game that I refereed you <laughs> apart from one. I said, but I never had a problem with that. I said, I loved your passion. I loved your drive. You were an older guy. You were in your mid-30s up against 20, 21-year-olds that were faster and fitter than you and more skillful. But you gave it your all and, and you, you never gave in. You had the heart of a line. Yeah. And then he said, well, that's it. You don't go onto that park naughty try. And he said, I just wish that, that all these guys with all this ability, but but nay commitment, you yeah. know, had the same commitment that you had because they'd all be world beaters. Mm. Uh, Tommy was a great guy. Yeah, no, that's good. So on the same page here, we've got an extra set of eyes for the ref. So I think this is quite, you know, close to where we are at the moment. So this is from Shoot Magazine from December 1970. And the article shows a photograph of former referee Paddy Ross seated at the edge of a football pitch with a game going on. He's a microphone and some other equipment. Paddy's idea is basically to keep the on-field referee updated of any incidents that occur off the ball and out of the referee's range of vision. The article says that Paddy invented a radio system to keep in touch with the man in the middle. Now, looking at Paddy, 
I don't think he invented anything. I may, I think he maybe, <laughs> you know, adopted um, the radio system for this use. Uh, so Paddy, way ahead of his time here. Uh, the, the, I'm guessing the referee would have been mic'd up, and or at least you know it's back in 1970, and it took how long for for line, referees and linesmen or assistant referees. To, to have that sort of I mean when would that have come in 90s or I, I was on one of the, the first actual trials yeah. with, with the communication kit it was a game up at St Johnston with Kenny Clark mm-hmm. um, and, and, and it, I mean that it's like a small microphone obviously <laughs> with a wee microphone like if you were in a boy band it yeah, was yeah. On, your, on your head and, but you had this kind of battery pack it was massive yeah. and, and, and it was on a velcro belt and it either went to your back or your front um, that that must have been round about two thousand and two, two thousand and three. It's got to be around about that time because I, I remember it. Mm-hmm. I remember it well. Yeah. I mean, it's just great. Uh, thirty-seven years later, that or thirty-two years later. Sorry. Yeah. You know, it's. I, I'm. I can only imagine it's been invaluable for for you in order to keep control of a game. It, it, it's actually great the communication, you know, because you can. Warn a player, uh, you can warn the referee that, look, just behind your back, there's a couple of players that are having a bit of an niggle. You know, like, mm. when you, you've got the, the, the chance, you know, like, have a word with them, just tell them to calm down and all that, you know, so that it doesn't boil over. You know, you always got to try and be proactive, yeah. you know, so. Um, um, so so how, how do you, I mean, because there's a buzzer on the flag as well, was that yeah. right? So do you actually keep eye contact with your linesman or do you rely on that now? Um, I think it'd be a mistake to rely on that because you know we electronics it yeah. doesn't always work and there's a couple of games that, that I'd been on before where you know like you've no felt the vibration because you might have turned to sprint and all mm. that and and then the guy's running through and goal and and you're you're, you're not quite in the right position because you you're, you're falling in looking for a tackle be a yeah. defender concentrating to see if it's a penalty kick or no and. You know, like five seconds before that, your assistant standing with his flag up, gaining an offside, which would have stopped all that. I'm, I'm sure you, you'd find out about it from one uh, set of yeah. players pretty well, quickly you, as well. Yeah. That's when you get the shout, Ref, ref, flag up! Which was usually the defenders. Yeah, yeah. So, well done, Paddy Ross there. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't know, he, he's of a certain age that maybe he never saw it, you know, come to fruition. So it's another, do you want to be a ref, is the question. And uh, it says, anyone who wants advice about taking up refereeing in Scotland should contact SFA Secretary, Secretary Willie Allen, who's presenting at present arranging training classes, and it gives the Park Garden address there. So I think this, is, this seems to be a follow-up on that previous one where they were looking to set up the courses, because this is like almost to the day, a year later from that previous one. Um, so they've obviously got got it set up, and it's like right, okay, who wants to be a referee? I, I just wonder how many people from this magazine actually wrote to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if there was any because obviously this one was Goal Magazine, so this was a, a UK wide and across the world. I wonder if they actually got applications from other countries as well. You know, England. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure they did, but there's probably been eight or nine year old kids. Sharp shooting referee. So we've got another one here referencing shooting. So again with the guns, there seems to be... I don't know what it is about referees that make people want to get their guns out, but there we go. 
So this one is from Shoot Magazine, February 1970, and it's in Venezuela, so South America again. again. Yep. Uh, the home skipper argued too hotly after being upended by the opposition keeper, with the referee refusing to give a penalty. The referee pulled out a, a handgun and shot the skipper. One of the outraged fans ran onto the park and then shot the ref. <laughs> uh, fortunately, both skipper were laughing, but it said, fortunately, both skipper and referee got off with minor, very minor flesh wounds. Yeah. <laughs> well, who wants to be a referee, really? Is? Well, Especially in South, South America. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, can you tell us a bit about the training, uh, Stephen? Because I know that refs go through quite sort of rigorous training to make sure that they're, they're yeah. fit for the job. Well, I... I when I took up the, the refereeing in 94, um, the, the training wasn't as tense as what it is now. That that more or less kind of changed when Hugh Dallas became were, were top uh, FIFA World Cup referee. He he took the, the fitness levels to a whole new standard altogether. Um, so he, he made everyone think more like it's not just a hobby you know like this is I, I know you kind of class it like a part-time job because you you've got your normal hours that you you work your, your own job and then you've got your your refereeing and and it, it got to the stage where the you were basically having to train three nights a week then you 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 done your game on a saturday and then the sunday you done a warm down and if you were lucky enough to be on the the SPL rota as a, an assistant or a referee, you got these polar watches. You know, they, they seem to be the rave now. We we even amateur referees, you know, they, they trace your, your heart rate mm. and they, they tell you how many miles you've ran, etc., etc. So so Hugh is the one that, that said, no, like we we want to be standard bearers for the world. We want to be the fittest referees and we want to be the best referees. And 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 it's a hundred percent correct because I think that the majority of the mistakes that are made is in the last twenty minutes of the game yeah. and that's usually because the referee's so tired right. so the brain's tired but the fitter you are the the fitter your brain is you, you're still thinking so if you're not out of breath in the last 20 minutes of the game your, your brain's still alert you're not tired and you're, you're making the better decisions and, and it was definitely the right way to go um, it's not just the, the, the fitness now there's, there's so many training classes extra classes that all the, the listed officials go to you know, like maybe once a month or once every six weeks they'll, they'll go to one of the places up in Edinburgh where they'll sit down and there's a big seminar and there's there's the, the incidents that's happened during the season whether it be in Scotland or down south and it's like look this this is what's happened it's not the right decision and, and, and this is how we can avoid this happening and this is what we need to do to be more proactive in, during these situations in the game so uh, everything's certainly heading in the direction like it's, it's not a part time job you know like mm. we, we think of it now as it's like you've got to think of it as a full time job and, and, and be 100% committed otherwise you'll, you'll not get to the top of the game and maintain the, the kind of standards the, the likes of Willie Collum and Craig Thompson and, and the, the ones for the past Kenny Clark Willie Young Brian McGinley as well I mean they they were all phenomenal you know so um, that that's the kind of standard that, that they're always aiming for for our young referees to, to hit ok so page 6 here it's referees welcome replays request so this is from Charles Buchan June 1970 and this is over to Italy so referees in Italy welcomed the Italian Federation's request to the National TV Authority to suppress slow-motion replays of phases of play 
that increases discussions on whether they were the right or wrong to blow their whistles. So, I mean, at this point, this is just about replays rather than, you know, different angles and fars and things like that. But what I find, one of the phrases I find interesting there is they're talking about phases of play back in 1970. I, I just always, well, not always, but... I, I'd assumed that phases of play was a more recent uh, thing, you know, to basically to to you know when you're talking about the the offside rule, how you've got different phases of play. Yep. But it appears to have been associated with refereeing a lot longer than that. Uh, I, I can't really think of incidents incidents like with, with the phases of play for back then, you know, mm. because. The, the laws were so different back then, you know, that how, as yeah. I, I said, mentioned earlier on, the, the, the laws get tweaked and tweaked. And when you mentioned offside there, I mean, offside's just a, a minefield. Mm. Some folks still can't get their head around it, you know. Um, and and it usually takes, at the start of the season, a couple of incidents to happen. And then when you go to your monthly referee meeting, they show you what's happened and then they'll say, look, I know this is what it says in the laws of the game, but this this is how it, it's actually transpired in the game. So what mm. happened here shouldn't have happened. This is what that means with the wording in the laws of the game. And then usually once you're like a, a month or two into the season, things settle down and, yeah. and everybody gets on with it. There's, there's always a blind panic at the start of the season when with the new laws of the game. And uh, this... this um, goal kick one you know where you could yeah. play it in the box in this box. was causing mayhem at the start yeah. of the season because the, like, if if an attacking player was walking out the box um, when he plays it to his teammate in the box you know like he can then turn and, and go in and mm. folks say no no you've got to be out the box you know but if, if they take a quick one while he's making an effort to go out the box then he can the, the boys now in yeah, play I, get, you know? I guess there's nothing in the laws that Mention about him having to leave the box, is there? Um, if he's not making an effort, an effort. The, is that yeah. actually? Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, is that in there for this specific scenario? Yes. And was it in there? Or was it put in there after the fact? That this was the new law change right. at the start of the season. You know, like, so so you can pass the ball to a defender inside the eighteen yard mm. box. Doesn't he need to go out now? Uh, the, the ball wasn't in play until it, it went outside the eighteen yard box, and then play became active. So you, you know what it's like if if you, you're playing the ball and then the attacker's going to get there before him. So the defender would run in the box and touch the ball. Yeah. So it, it'd be a retake again. Mm. So so that it it, it kind of works both ways. You know when. Defenders try to exploit the laws, then so the, the yeah. UEFA try and find ways of changing it to make it a kind of more level playing field. I mean, just back to this, it's you know, if only this is what we were worrying about the slow motion <laughs> replays, we'd be happy with that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's probably you know, TV was starting to get a bit more, um, you know. Pre- prevalent and there's a more of it and the slow motion replays was this was maybe the start of it you know with hindsight is great we can say you know this is where it started but at the time if as I say if that was our only thing to worry about I think would be yeah. there'd be a lot less arguing but find something else to argue about <laughs> there's no doubt about that so the next one courageous referee so this is from 1972 so we've jumped to August 1972 this is about Mr Alexander Fraser from Aberdeen has won the title of Disabled Scot of the Year. He has also been awarded the referee's badge of the SFA. He is also deaf and dumb and is the first Scot suffering some, from such handicaps to take charge 
of football matches at an organised level, refereeing amateur fixtures. So there's a, a nice wee article in there about yeah. that, about Alexander there. Never sent MD off for foul language though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, is, is there any, do you know of any um, deaf referees who are working in the game? No, I've never, never came across any, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I, apart from, you know, the obvious, that sort of thing, but I guess, you know, if they have the communications equipment as well now, that, you know, the the, the buzzer, that, that could help them these days. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, Alexander. That's what I say. Uh, police protection for ref. So the next article is from Shoot Magazine, April 1973. And it's referee Bobby Davidson dismissed Celtic winger Jimmy Johnson in a Scottish Cup quarter-final tie with Aberdeen. Bobby had been involved with a number of controversial incidents with Celtic in the past and needed police protection when he left the ground after the game. It's, I guess this is something that's just always going on. Um, it, it happens, doesn't it? I mean, there, there's certain players that seem to get into trouble with the same referee all the time. Yeah. That's that's not the, the fact that the referees get got it in for that player that player's obviously got a problem yeah. I'm not saying Jimmy jo- Johnson's got a problem I'm, I'm just saying that any kind of player that's constantly sent off by a referee or constantly booked yeah. that's that player yeah. I'm refereeing the game yesterday and this the guy says to me when I, when I booked him he went going to no book me uh, going to no put that through because that means I'm going to be suspended for the next game and I says to him I says listen pal I says, if you're going to be suspended for the next game that means you're a repeat offender mm. I've only cautioned you once this season so yeah. you're getting booked every week so you're the problem no me <laughs> so I've, I've, I've heard that one a few times I've, I've probably said that myself a couple of times but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, the next one um, two youngest referees in Scotland so this is from March 1975 and this are wages. Okay. It says the two youngest referees in Scotland, Brian McGinley and David Syme, don't stand for any nonsense. In two games the other week they sent off two players and booked another another eleven between them. And we, we we've touched on this um a number of times. Um possibly a bit before this, um, but that sort of era, even just getting booked was a difficult thing yep. yeah it so, seemed, seemed noteworthy when there was like yeah. four players booked in a game kind yeah. of thing and but we've got 11 and 2 and 2 red cards um, and we, we spoke about the Leeds United Arsenal Cup final from 72. 72 and there was four or five players booked two of them for dissent in 1972 and you're thinking that must have been something pretty yeah pretty bad you know pro- probably nowadays it'd be up in court for something uh, absolutely like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah Brian McGinley and David Syme um, being referred to the youngest referees as say that ages us um, the next one is ref sent photographer off so this is from shoot in September 79 and it's referee Bill Mullen he sent off a photographer at a recent game between Berwick Rangers and Albion Rovers in a league match the photographer apparently joined in with the players' protests after a Berwick goal was disallowed. He maybe had a Polaroid. <laughs> he was waving about. <laughs> Actually, I've captured the incident, referee. Um, you ever sent off somebody who wasn't part of, who wasn't on the pitch? I mean, apart from you know somebody in the dugout, but have, have you ever had the 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 need to send off somebody like that? I mean, would you send ball boys off, or do you just? 
that that happened in a game in England um, a couple of years ago, I, I believe. Did it know um, when the, the the player went to get the ball and obviously the home team were winning by a goal and there was no long to go and the players want the ball and the boy ball boys putting the ball behind his mm. back and was, was it no Chelsea? Ah, Chelsea. the ball boy at Swansea. Yeah. So um, I mean, it, it, see as long as ball boys and everyone around the ground. I know it's fair to both teams yeah. then there shouldn't be a problem but obviously when, when they're using you know like f- what they're doing to, to stop a team getting the ball to go on with the game because there's no long to go then I mean, they, they can't do that they, mm. they wouldn't do it to their own team yeah. you know so they, they, they've got to be doing the middle so but obviously it's a young boy and he's he's maybe being egged on by the supporters don't give them that ball back keep yeah. the ball yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and he's done that you know and they're all cheering and next minute Hazard's lost the plot but mm. Aye, so um, no, no, no photographers. I didn't really get photographers at my game at junior <laughs> football. Um, um, obviously, it's senior football, but in senior football, you're and especially the Premier League, you're always concentrating on your game. And people would say, "Oh, it must be murder when you're you're at Ibrox at Parkhead in front of all those thousands of supporters, and they're all shouting dogs abuse at you." But Just switch th- off. They were the easy <laughs> games because. Do, do you yeah. actually hear it, or is it like when you go into a park, like for me? I, I don't see anything other than what's on the park. I don't hear anything yeah. other than what's on the park. The the at the big games you you never heard anything. Just just a, an overall noise because you're concentrating in your game. You know, and, and a lot of the times you're you know like your games or the cameras were there. Mm. You know, so you're concentrating twice as hard to make sure that you're getting your decisions right. It's the smaller games is a problem. Yeah. You know, I remember <laughs> Aloe and our broth. You know, there's like. 15 men in a dug yeah. and there's this guy there's always one old guy behind you you're effing murder ref you're effing this you're effing that and I've I've, uh, I've said a few things back to them it's normally Fergie from Hamilton wasn't it as well that was... oh, I remember Fergie from <laughs> Hamilton well aye. Yeah. aye ok so the last one on this page is um, this is we'll go through it and um, so the the title of it is oh my what a lovely referee and it's a picture, it's a female referee, so 1978, um, it's a bit cringeworthy. Um, will we ever see women refereeing in our league games? Never, did you say? Well, don't be so sure. So the article is a photograph of referee Karen Williams from Sheffield in her refereeing gear. She's been keeping the lads under control in five Sunday, league, uh, five Sunday leagues in Sheffield for the past two years. She passed the course and examination to become a Class 3 referee with flying colours in August 1976 and has overcome the lack of changing facilities and prejudice from some chauvinists. So at this point, you're thinking, shoot, yeah, they're on, you know, they're on the ball here. Um, Admiral believed in her, so the, the kit manufacturer's Admiral believed in her and have fully kitted her out. She wears a shirt, a skirt, sorry, the shorts wouldn't fit the frame that she keeps in trim with badminton and road running. So st- they started off so well, you know, those chauvinists. But yep. yeah, she keeps her, her mm-hmm. she, she keeps herself looking lovely, does that referee? Um, her first game for the, against um, in an under 12s game, um, the team presented her with a box of chocolates. Um, I can't imagine that any male referee would get anything like that in their first game. Since then, she has booked eight players and learned to joke back if anyone saucily asks her if they can scrub her back in the showers. It's incredible, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, 
She hopes to eventually be in charge of Saturday games, but she's happy to help out at Sheffield Wednesday on match days until then, where she's sole programme, worked on turnstiles and a bit in the office. Shoot finishes with some girl, some referee. And it's like, you started off so well, shoot, you know, you know uh-huh. you were, it's like, ah, oh, these chauvinists and then they just slid down pretty quickly. It's like looking back on an episode of Love Thy Neighbour, <laughs> now and you're, yeah, like, yeah. you're thinking, my, did they really say that back mm. then? Oh, crazy. But at this point, we'll, we'll take a little break from that. Um, so... I'm assuming you're familiar with shoot magazines and yep. things like that, so you'll be aware of the focus on sections where they ask the footballer some questions at. So we're going to do a focus on you. Now, based on some of the questions, you can choose not to answer, right? Yep. Or you can answer, and afterwards, if you think, mm, we can edit out, so don't worry about anything. So just answer if you want. Full name? My full name is Stephen William Craven. Okay, your birthplace? Birthplace is uh, Glasgow. Okay, what was your first car? My first car, that was a, a Vauxhall Corjet. Corjet. I nearly said Corjet. Corsa? Cor- uh, no, no, oh God, what is it now? Cavalier? No. Oh, they don't make them anymore. It'll oh. come back to me. Okay, Sorry. we'll come back to that one. That could be one. You only get one that you're not allowed to. <laughs> you only get one you're not allowed to answer. You could use that one. Okay, get a, better keep a hold of that. Favorite player? My favorite player, Kenny Dalglish. Okay. Favorite team? <laughs> um, my mum's my mum's mom, Aberdonian and my dad was Glasgow Celtic. So mm. and we stay here. So I was I was brought up supporting Celtic. Celtic. I'm a Celtic supporter. Okay. Most memorable match? Oh. I, I, so this could, this could be a, a, something you've watched or something you've taken part in or um, refereed m- most mem- well I, I think that the highlight uh, look, look, for the games that I've watched and the games that I've been involved in I would have to say probably Aberdeen Rangers when I was an assistant referee mm-hmm. uh, it's the only time I was ever shaking before I went onto the park okay. was that any particular one or just uh, um, it, this was around about 2009 Right. Um, Aberdeen won one nil. Um, it was just because you know the history between yes. Aberdeen and Rangers, especially the up at Pitodry. You know, they, they all firm hated going up to Pitodry. There was it was always harder games up mm. there, and because of what happened with Neil Cooper and Ian Durant in the eighties, that yeah. this it's been nothing but bad blood between them ever since. Mm. And Neil Simpson, uh, Neil Simpson, sorry, hi, yeah. and and the. You know, like just before the game, you you could just feel the atmosphere. It's the only time I've, I was ever actually shaking before I went out mm. in the park. No, it isn't a isn't a nice game, is it? Yeah. Uh, so biggest thrill. Biggest thrill. Um, I think the the first time, my first SPL game, um, it was a friendly between Rangers and Tottenham Hotspur, mm. and and to to go for the year before in front of 50 and 100 folk to a sellout 50,000 crowd mm-hmm. at Ibrox um, with referee Michael McCurry and Ricky Mooney was the other assistant referee um, it, it was phenomenal yeah. just that that buzz you know it's, it's still get goosebumps thinking about it was that, was that the game Robbie Keane got injured? it was that, that was, was, that, was that, that game yes 
Yes. Yeah, was that match? Uh, 2-0. Rangers won yeah. 2-0. And Jermaine Defoe was walking off the park at half-time and, and Michael McCurry's a minister. Mm. You tell that FN referee better give us something in the in the second <laughs> half, you know. So, so, I don't know why he came to me. <laughs> I didn't give anything against him. <laughs> so I'm saying to Michael at half-time, I says, oh, I'll, I'll, a wee message for you for Jermaine Defoe. He says, what's that? He says, you've to start giving him something. He went, oh, is that right? Is that right? <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay, so what's the biggest disappointment? Uh, biggest disappointment? Uh, I, I try not to look at disappointments. You know, I'm, I'm a kind of positive guy. So, you know, if, if something's no went well, it's no through my lack of effort or lack of trying. So I, I, I don't kind of dwell on negatives. Okay. What's the best country you visited? Oh, Australia. Australia. Yeah. That's one place I've... Well, that's one of many places I've never been, but... Certainly one I would like to. What's your favourite food? My favourite food, Chinese. Chinese. Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're doing okay there, don't worry about it. Um, miscellaneous likes, so just a couple of things that you like to do. I love playing the drums, not very good at it, yeah. but so you, could, you could say the same about my refereeing. <laughs> I love refereeing, but I'm not very good at it. Um, love playing the drums, I, I, I love music, I love yeah. going to live gigs. So okay. we're going to New York in two months' time, and the first thing we did when we, we booked was to see what gigs was on yeah. at the time. So the day after we arrive, I'm going to see Sticks, okay. uh, an American prog band, and on the Thursday we're going to see Billy Joel at mm-hmm. Madison Square Gardens because my wife loves him. Okay. So a- anywhere we go, we always look to see if there's a gig Amazing. on. Good stuff. Uh, miscellaneous dislikes, so a couple of things that drive you up the wall. Um... I, th- I think probably the, the only thing that drives me up the wall is the, the likes of players and managers in games who just see things through their own blinker, mm. you know, like glasses. They, they, they don't see things down the middle. Yeah. They, 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 they say you're wrong and they'll, they'll, they'll back their, their own players. If I've sent a player off, he should never have been sent off. Wait a minute, he just headbutted them. Mm. So th- that kind of... Yeah, irks me, you know, because I think of myself as a, as a really fair guy because I've I've played the game and, I, and I've seen it for both sides, and then you, you see these guys just they're just intent and causing trouble. Yeah, so well, that's fair enough. The favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? Oh, you know, for the seventies, I loved the Eight and a Half Hot Mum. <laughs> I absolutely loved that program. I thought after that article there, you're going to say, uh, oh, "Love uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Eight and a Half Hot Mum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite singers? So I'm, I'm, oh. we'll have a few there, I guess. Yeah. Well, my, my favorite band's a band that you'll go who? It's a band called Shy. 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 I, I, there you go. <laughs> no, I know the who. Um, they were a Birmingham band and the singer actually just passed away just before Christmas. Right. Um, he had a, a, a short illness there where he lost his battle with cancer. But I used to I used to referee on a, a Sunday or a Saturday and then I would drive down to Birmingham where they, they played gigs all the time and it was like a five hour drive to Birmingham. Yeah. Watch the band and then drive home and get home like two, three o'clock in the morning. Just... They're, they're kind of AOR band yeah. um, and they were on the go for 1981 right. and, until a few years ago when the the guitarist who wrote all the songs passed away with mm-hmm. a brain tumour no, certainly that's dedication to go oh. see them like that yep. who's your favourite drummer? my favourite drummer um, sadly passed away 
just just the other day, Neil, other day. Neil Perp, yeah. phenomenal drummer. Just um, the the guy that's probably the best drummer in the world to know is Mike Portnoy. He's a, a dream theatre, but he, he got to the stage where he was so good. You know, it, 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 there was no effort going in, and he's got this seventy-piece drum kit, and <laughs> it, it's like, oh, come on, man, you know. Like, <laughs> Whereas Neil Neil Pert was in, and I remember seeing Rush. My, my friend came over from Germany when Rush played the last tour, and Neil Pert actually made a mistake, and and it was an absolute pleasure to see this happen, because what had happened was Geddy Lee and Alec Lifeson just turned around and looked at Neil. Now when Neil plays the drums, it's straight faced. He 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 looks so miserable, yeah. you know, when he when he's playing the drums. And he actually smiled when they turned around <laughs> and looked at him. And I'll never forget that. And I thought that that was phenomenal, you know. But it was like the smile lasted two seconds and then it was like back into drumming again. <laughs> it, it, it was great to see that. But, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't really have favourite drummer, but the, the one drummer that made me sit up, and I don't know if you know him, but um, I was speaking about this earlier on, the, the band Eels, and there's a drummer called Butch. Right. And I remember it was in Candle Rigs or something in Glasgow. And he had, it looked as though he had maybe three pieces. And just the sound he got off it, yep. it was like, nah, he can't be making that noise just from, from those things. And I'd, I'd never exp I'd never heard that before, certainly live. And it's just so impressive. So yeah. that that's the first time I've ever, apart from um, a lad I knew from university um, who was in a band I was in at the time as well. And it was just like, this guy's amazing, but... Butch from Eels is different class. Yeah. Okay, so who's your best friend? My best friend is my, my mate Gary Kirkwood, who is the guy whose collarbone bone I broke, <laughs> and and also the guy that, that he took up refereeing after I broke his collarbone, and when I went to take the refereeing up, I met Gary there, yeah. and he was doing his refresher, which was the advanced referee class, and in... in Gary said, "Oh, by the way, you don't. Once you've fin you finished your exam and all that, you, you can come to training." And I didn't know anything about this. And if it mm. wasn't for having broken Gary's collarbone and then met him at the referee exam, I would never have known you went to training. And then that's where you got all the the support by the by the the colleagues and all that to who come out and watch you do mm. your games and help improve your game and, and then move you up the ladder. Mm. So without without Gary, I would never have been where I managed to get to. Well done, Gary. Uh, what's your favourite actors? Oh, my favourite actor, um, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks and Gary Oldman, mm. phenomenal actors. I'll say about Tom Hanks, it used to be for me that Tom Hanks was somebody I always thought, eh. and then I, every thing I saw him in, I thought, he's brilliant. Uh, but it, but it, for some reason, I don't know, maybe I was um, confusing him with somebody else, but it's, it's just I'd never fancied these films, but when I watched them, mm. they were different class. It, it, it went through that week and I run a... Like each year, there was Philadelphia, and then the Green Mile. Still my favourite film. Mm. You know, I was sitting at Christmas here on holiday, and I'm like, oh, why watch the Green Mile again? And me and the dogs sitting in the couch, you know. And <laughs> what I mean, she loves the Green Mile, Daisy. <laughs> um, just but the the Green Mile, we'll my favourite film. A wee drum roll in that, that bit there. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Your biggest influence. Who's who's um, been the biggest influence on your life or your career? Um, don't say Gary again. Uh, no, no, no. Um, my dad, um, he sadly no no longer wears. He, he died eight years ago this this August. Mm -hmm. um, my my dad, uh, 
when I go, you know, at that age where you start to remember and things, you know, like when you were young, I always remember I would kid when I fell asleep on the couch. So I was the youngest of three boys, so that my, my dad would pick me up and take me up to bed, you know, so I didn't need to walk up the stairs, you know, <laughs> just a lazy sod. Um, so next, we, we had a, a loft. We were lucky enough to have an upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs house, and up in the loft was all these pictures of my dad in the army as a football right. player. Now, this is back in the day when it, it was your Donald Duck that if you became a full-time professional player or you became an electrician like my dad did and ended up in the rigs. I've got a picture on my phone. My dad was good pals with Willie Wallace, who's the Lisbon Lion. Yeah. And they, they were both 15 at the time, playing for an under-21 side, Kelvin side, Thistle and Kirkintilloch. And they were both playing for an under-21 team yeah. while 15. They weren't the subs. And and the, the picture, you know, like the old woolly strip and the woolly socks and the big boots and all that. And they're standing there like that with the Camsey Hills in the background. And the two of them were 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 um, forwards. And they didn't, the, the two of them didn't usually go on at the same time, you know, so the bigger boys as well and some, some, some of the were too strong you would get knocked out but mm. my, I rem remember what my dad told me but so whether that was true or not is another story um, he, he he was the, the, the one that was usually playing and, and Willie was sub and then my dad picked up a bad injury he'd went over his ankle he's, they, they, they caught chocolate ankles that's what I've got as well mm. chocolate ankles and um so Willie then got to play in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup and scored a hat trick or whatever mm. and played in the final and they won the cup and Wally then get away to Celtic. My dad, that was the end of his career, mm. you know. So you, you know, you're sliding doors. That, 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 that's it, you know. So, but I always looked up to my dad. These pictures of himself in the playing for the army team as well. You know, he's, I remember this park and there's a picture of my dad up in midair and he, he's just heated this goal and big crowd running about and you know I just I thought oh, my, my dad's amazing mm. you know so that's good answer good answer and, and last question which person in the world would you most like to meet <sighs> alive or dead um oh we've not had that question yet would you think Tom you uh, adjudicating uh, this either either dead John Lennon John Lennon John Lennon aye um, I'm not a Beatles fan I can't stand the Beatles mm -hmm. um, and even though they've had so many hits and what have you but I, I just loved everything about John Lennon his outlook in life yeah. um, I, I loved his solo material and we, we went to New York uh, five years ago one of the first things i done was walk up to the place where he was shot you know mm -hmm. just to take that in it's just surreal and then walked across the road to Strawberry Fields which is part of Central Park yeah. you know where all the buskers excuse me play all the the Beatles songs you know just taking in I just you, know, you just had that kind of connection with, mm -hmm. with John Lennon for everything that he stood on you know the wars happening and he's wanting peace and all that you know, yeah. uh, you know so John, John Lennon yeah that's a good one we'll go for that so we go back to the the magazine? Or? Yeah, well, I think we should get to a few You Are The Refs before we run out of time. Okay, I'm happy to do that. Um, so let's jump on to page 14, I think. Let's see what we got. So You Are The Ref was um, as a anim animated or a cartoon. What would we call it? A, a, a cartoon strip. Yeah. Um, it wasn't animated, was it? That's a crazy thing to say. Um, which 
sometimes it would have just three different scenes. Sometimes they were linked together or to five or six or something. And it was just situations within the game, phases of play within the game, shall we call it. Situations within the game. And it would say, if you were the referee, what would your decision be? Or the referee's made this decision, is it correct? So we're going to pick out a few of them through the years. Um, and we're starting on page 14 here. And it's from August 1969. And it says, you are refereeing a match and with just one second to go, a player is fouled in his opponent's penalty area. Without hesitation, you point to the penalty spot, but full time ends before the kick can be taken. However, you know that according to the the rules, it actually says rules here, the laws, extra time has to be allowed for the penalty. And the penalty, the spot kick is smashed towards goal. The goalkeeper managed to get his fingers to the shot, but he cannot hold it. And the penalty taker, following up, crashes the ball into the net. Is it a goal? <laughs> um, this is where you could be talking about common sense here. Yeah. You know, um, t- to me, the goal would stand because that's all came in one motion. Yeah. It's not as if the goalkeeper saved it. The balls went out. He's palmed it away out yeah. to the corner flag. An attacker has crossed the ball in and then he's shot and scored. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there has been instances when I've been, I've gave a penalty kick at, at either the, the end of the first half or the second half and, and I've said to everybody, I says, look, time's up. It's either going to be a goal or it's full time, you know, but you shouldn't really say that because that that ball, I think you've all seen the clip where the guy takes a penalty kick at uh, the, the shooting out to determine the end yeah, of a match yeah, yeah. and the guy rattles us and it hits the bar yeah, and it yeah. goes up in the air and the goalkeeper's running away out now the play is not dead until that ball stopped mm. so that that goes up and then it, it bounces out at the six yard box and then it starts to spin back and crosses the line and the goalkeeper then <laughs> looks back and, and you, the, the, the sheer dejection in his face when he realises you know like I've been a diddy, I should have stood there and yeah. grabbed that ball. So the ball's no dead, the game's no dead until the ball stopped. Mm-hmm. So if that's happened all in the one motion as it's happened there, then it's, it should be a goal. Okay. Uh, ultimately, it's up to you to decide yeah. when, the, when, the, game's, when yeah. the game's done. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the only advice I would say is when that happens, like when I've done it, when you say, look, this is the last kick of the ball, so it's either a goal or it's a no. Don't say that because yeah, right. if the keeper saves it and then it comes back out to you and you rebound and then you kick it in, you've left your white yourself wide yeah. open for criticism. And you're just making your, your life uh, yeah, more and, difficult for and yourself. And if it's in South America, they'll be chasing you with guns <laughs> again. Yeah. So, so the the answer that shoot give here or the referee gives is it is not a goal. Additional time is allowed for the penalty kick only, and as the keep goalkeeper saved the actual kick. Full time would have elapsed before the ball was put into the net. It's a game that we're saying about common sense. Yeah. You, you know you're going to have a crowd of players yeah. running about you. Yep. So you need to give that. You, you do that in an old firm game. <laughs> you know, there's going to be hell. Yeah, you, you only do that in an old firm game if it's your final game and you're emigrating. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Yeah, so. But there was a, there was a couple of things, talking about penalties, there was a couple of things that came into my head recently and we discussed it on this. So, normally when a penalty kick is taken, you've got the the players outside the box and around the D. Okay. Now I wonder, given when a keeper saves it, there's a higher chance they push it to the side. Why do players not go some players go to the side where they've got a 
a quicker and more direct route to that ball. I ju- just don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the the rules, the laws, can I just say rules and we'll, yeah, we'll get fine. away with it? Absolutely. <laughs> Is that the players have to be behind the ball yes. at a penalty. Yes. So that means they could, so that's what, six yards, what is it? What, where is the penalty spot? 12, 12, 12 yards. yards, yeah. So the, they could basically camp out in the, the sides of the 18 yeah, yard box. Absolutely. Yards out. Yep. Have you ever seen that happen? No, never. You ever thought about it? No, no, not until you said that, but that makes common sense. You know, if you know, if you're an attacker and you know that you, you'll know which side your player's going to kick the ball to. Mm. So, but the only thing is when. If you put one of your players out there, you know that the defence is going to put a player out the, to cover them. What, what you can do is you can put a player out the other side as well, and you're yeah. then taking more people out from that uh, because it's just it's pandemonium in there. Yeah. Everybody's in there, so yeah. just drag them out, uh-huh. and then it gives a chance of. So I think it just gives you a bit more of a chance through the middle or through the sides as well. The other the other question I have, so. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it used to be that the ball was only in play once it made a full rotation. Was that the yes, case? Yes, that was and the case. Then that changed. Yeah. And now it's a case of all you have to do is touch, touch it. Touch the ball, yeah. So could a player with it, I'm guessing you'd have to tell the referee first you're going to do this, but could a player put the ball down, sort of, you know, put their foot on it as if to say, okay, and then step back, and that ball's now in play. Mm-hmm. And so somebody else could then run in. Yeah, but... but with this happening in the past you know like, it happened when I played football if you played football yourself Andy you know you, you done it at corner kicks yeah. you know the, the guy run out put put his hand in the ball just touched the ball mm. and and they always did tell the referee because we done it when we played amateur football so you look referee before the game uh, starts you know, telling you we do this at corner kicks yeah. you know some of them would say no you're not doing that you know because they didn't want to have problems because yeah, Experience tells you this creates problems because the defence are like, oh, ref, what are you doing? And next thing they're all chasing him. Mm. So so the, the referees don't want that situation to happen again. Um, but aye, it, it, it's it's quite a regular occurrence. Yeah, yeah but it's just, it's, I mean, it's just a couple of things that we do in this podcast that have came up just through the, the chatting that we've had and that I've thought, well, why, you know, you, I, I love how in football where things that have never been done before just suddenly start getting done it's like why Why didn't we think of that before or you know I, I when was this ever first done I, I think that's a great point that you come up with that I mean it, it makes sense mm. you know like I know my penalty kick taker's going to kick the ball to the goalkeeper's left yeah. so let's put somebody out in the right in case he does get it and mm-hmm. spills it there because he's running straight in and he's got a, a 50-50 chance of scoring yeah. so if you're out there as I've said this before give it a go you know especially you know maybe if you're the second one about touching the ball, if you're a few goals up and you get a penalty, give that one a go and then you can do a wee Henri Pires moment without yep. messing it up. So, okay, you are the ref, we're back to that. Um, now, Tom, I'm just going to go through what's here, so you jump in if there's anything that you want to jump in about. So, page 15, it says, In a 10 goal mouth incident, the goalie leaps to a ball, this is number two, leaps to a ball travelling towards the top corner of the net. The opposing centre forward charges forward, tries to head the ball, but only succeeds in crashing into the goalkeeper in midair. As the keeper tumbles backwards, the ball drops into the net. Would you award a goal? No chance. No. I think that's an easy one. So, so the, the, the you are the ref response is, you could not award a goal. 
One of the clauses of Law 12 says that the goalkeeper cannot be charged unless he's goal- holding the ball. So, I mean, this is it's not a not a goal for a different reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is back when you could actually charge a goalkeeper. Yep. So even then, the player attacking the goalie must have both feet on the ground. So in this instance, you would award a direct free kick to the defending team. Yep. This, again, this is one of these things where the rules used to be that if a keeper's got the ball in his hands, you could charge him. Aye, I, and I, it's, I, it's just crazy. Yep. I remember seeing an, an old, old clip. Um, I don't know, before my time... Um, in the 60s, uh, Jimmy Johnston and, and other players going in, you know, the goalkeepers get the ball and, and they're just running in and barging right into them. And, you know, like if, if that happened nowadays, the goalkeeper would be punching the forwards. You I know, tell you what, Alan McGregor would have been okay oh, back then. He, nah. he looks after himself with that a bit too much at times. Uh, so there's number, I think this is the third one in here. Or, um, yeah, it is. At the kick-off, the centre-forward, instead of tapping the ball to one of his inside men, kicks it downfield towards the right touchline where the, his own right winger races forward, takes the pass well inside the opponent's half. Would you allow the kick-off? I think, I remember, because this sort of... I, I don't know if it changed <clears throat> recently, but I thought this was always the case. Aye. That you could just lump the ball into the, the opponent's half if you want. Yep. But it was just... Whether it was just accepted because what everybody did, you always tapped it back, and mm-hmm. and, and everybody thought that was the norm. Yeah, you know, but but this is when people try and think. Let's think something different to mm-hmm. do, you know, and and let's let yeah. let's do this because the, the laws clearly state that the ball must at the time. Now it's different. Yeah. The ball must be played forward. So. The, the the guy that took the kickoffs played the ball forward, mm. so so he's applied the laws correctly, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. So I mean, it's exactly what what um, your other ref says, but they just mentioned the fact that as long as the winger starts off and he's on half, half, half then yep. there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. So we're on to I think we're in the same bit here. So this is number two on this, and uh, it says during the halftime interval, you realise you'd only allowed to you played forty two minutes in the first half three minutes short now the law states that the games last for 90 minutes so would you call the two captains admit your error and tell them you would allow the second half to run for 48 minutes no what would you do the the game must be two equal halves Mm -hmm. so you would get both teams back onto the park you would play another three minutes then you would have your half time and then you play your 45 minutes. Spot on, it's exactly what they say here as well. Have you, have you read this? I wasn't even looking at the answer, <laughs> Andy. I, I swear to God. I tell you, I, I'm going to say, it's Law 7 states that the duration of a game shall be two equal periods of 45 minutes. Players must return to the pitch to play the three minutes left of the first half. Yeah. Almost word for word. Um, page 16, we have number 7. And it says, one of your linesmen is forced to leave the game with a leg injury. Do you restart the game with only one linesman? Would you be right? Um, this, this happens quite a lot in junior football. It happened the other week there in the yeah. um, clay bank. Yeah, I, I think that's the game. I've got a couple of guys at my work at, at, at go to watch Kirky Rob Roy all the time um, for their sins. Um, it's especially hard this season because they can't win this season, the, the Rob Roy. Um, and what had happened is the assistant was injured. So at to, to, my personal opinion is I would rather do the game on my own mm. but what, they, what, what you're meant to do is you're then meant to put a club official to the far side if it was your near side assistant went down you would bring the far, the far side assistant on to the dugouts because he's got more experience and 
doing substitutions and dealing with the dugouts, you know, the hassles that you get with the dugouts. And you would put the clubber uh, linesman mm. to the far side just for throw-ins, but the referee yeah. would do the offsides. Okay. It, it doesn't go into that amount of detail, but it says, uh, no, you don't continue. The law states that there must be two linesmen, so if one had to leave the field, you would have to hold up the game until a deputy could be found. Yeah. So that's uh, the other week there, the Claybank game, the, the referee got injured and he brought the far side linesman across to referee the game and for the remaining first half it was a club official that just did the flag for the ball yeah. being out and then there was somebody from the crowd yeah. who was qualified who ran the line the second I think second the, th- the thing with junior football as well is that what the SFA are really good at is for, for all the big games you've always got one assistant referee who has lots of referee experience and, and the other one may not have as much so there's always someone there for the big games that's capable of taking over without the game turning into a farce because he can't handle the game, it's too big for him. Okay, so we're moving on to page 17 here. So this one you can plead the fifth on if you want. Okay. It says, after you've awarded a goal, one of the linesmen calls you to the touchline to report a handling incident he had spotted before the ball entered the net. Can you now disallow, disallow the goal? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Aye. So, so you can. Yeah, yeah. Of course. You, yeah. What, what you're doing is you, 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 you Obviously, the, the goal's been scored, right? So, you've you've seen the incident for happening, and you put your flag up. The referee will come over, and and you'll say to the referee, "What did you see there?" Mm-hmm. Well, I seen a guy header the ball. Yeah. I'm saying, right, okay. What I've seen here is the guy didn't header the ball. So I'm telling you a hundred percent that the guy punch that ball into the net I'm now going to tell you to caution that player and you're going to restart play with a direct free kick to the defending team this is of course unless it's France versus France and the Republic of Ireland and and seemingly the 5 million that that we found out later on it's amazing how just none of the officials saw that one isn't it that's just incredible so when you're you're speaking to the referee you're very clear this is what I've seen this is what I'm telling you to do there's no kind of well this is what I think yeah. Well, this is my opinion. It's this. This all comes in pre-match instruction. So when I was referee, or when I was an assistant in, in SPL, you you always get your pre-match talk for the referee, and and it, and it's no a wee two-minute thing. It used to be a two-minute thing before years and years ago. It used to be I'm the referee. You're there to give offside and throw ins. You keep your flag doing the rest of the time. I'm the boss. Right. right? It's all changed now. That's when it stopped becoming linesman and it became an assistant referee because you're there to assist the referee. So it's all about getting the correct decision. So it's not all about the referee being the guy that makes the decisions. Yeah. Let's get the right decision so that they're not talking about us in the papers on the Monday. So you, it's, you're clearly told, only get me over if I'm given a yellow card, a red card, or if, if you've seen mistaken identity or uh, a, ma- a matters of fact and we're not interested in opinion right. so that's then you would say and, and you're told just to be very quick and very brief give the facts here right? so that was a handball by the attacker he punched the ball into the net so you're going to as I say caution the player for a deliberate handball you're going to restart play with a direct free kick to the defending team and he'll say right that's fine so he'll say so number four the uh, the Blues that's fine right so you're going to caution him and then restart play with the direct free kick okay. and, and that's it and okay. you get it done as quick as you can excellent ok 
good one. So the next one, um, don't don't look at the answer here, okay? I want you. Huh? It says, what is the last thing you should do before blowing your whistle for kickoff at the start of a game? The very last thing. What is the last thing that you should do before blowing your whistle for the kickoff at the start of the game? Make sure you start your watch. Well, it says make a record of in your notebook of the actual time of kickoff. Well, some some you know the, I actually do do that sometimes because my my watch I use the it's a, a button in the front a red yeah. button the polar watch and the red bits come off so you've just got this wee metal bit that it pressed on <laughs> so sometimes you no know, like you, you try and press it with your thumb or your pencil and it doesn't yeah. work so it, it'll maybe be it's ten o'clock kickoffs I do on a Saturday morning so it's maybe ten o two so at the top of my book I've written ten o two. But I guess I guess this is, I mean this is back in um, what was it seventy or something. So I guess yeah. it wouldn't have been electronic stopwatches and things back then. Uh, maybe so, it was just a normal watch. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think that's probably quite as you know relevant now. And how often do you kind of check your watch? Do you constantly know? check your watch. Yeah, the reason that you constantly check your watch is that there's times when you brush against players and it might have hit the button and stopped your watch. So and that, that's the other good thing about taking note of the actual mm. time because if that does happen and your, your, your watch has stopped which has happened in many yeah. a time I remember refereeing a game up at Atherley Juniors years ago and I went over to the side and I says to Frank Lynch the manager I went Frank how long it off time <laughs> <laughs> and he's like oh, Steve, you're kidding me and I went no somebody's hit against my watch this isn't a you know, I never started my other watch or whatever uh, I, I don't wear two watches for the, in the amateurs now but I always wore two watches in junior junior football yeah. And um, this this day, I remember Frank. How long ago? And he's killing himself <laughs> laughing at me. So yeah. it does happen. Yeah. So there's number seven here. It says, as a forward races into the goal area with the ball, the goalie makes a desperate dive at his feet. He misses the ball, but grabs the forward's legs, pulling him down. What would you do? I think that's quite an easy one. Yeah. Penalty kick. You want to hear what they say? They say, if you felt that the goalie made every effort to get the ball and accidentally pulled down the forward, then you would allow play to proceed. But if you were convinced that the goalie deliberately fouled the man, you would not hesitate to award a penalty kick. Well, this this must be again with, with the old yeah, laws because because now it's denying an obvious goal scoring mm-hmm. opportunity. Mm-hmm. So whether it's it's men are are accidental he's denied a, yeah. an obvious goal scoring opportunity so so under today's laws it, it, it would be a, a red card and a penalty kick yeah I, I can't agree with you more on that one anyway so page 18 jump to number 7 here I love this one um, now again don't look at the answer to this one because this is a beauty a player shoots for goal but before the ball enters the net it bursts is it a goal well, given your reaction, it sounds as if they're going. Ah, to but ch- I need a reason why. Well, uh, to, uh, if if I see that if that happens in my game and the ball bursts before it goes into the net and then goes into the net, I'm giving a goal okay. because the the balls went into the net. <laughs> you want to hear what they say? <laughs> Says you would have to be absolutely sure that the ball burst or was deflated before it entered the net in order not to give a goal, according to the laws of. The, the ball should be a certain size and weight, but if it deflated, this would not be the case. So you would not allow the goal, 
but drop another ball at the pot spot where the player took his unfortunate shot. Can you imagine that? And in, in mid shot, it deflates. And it's like, no, no, that's that's a different weight no. now, referee. That can be a goal. It's one of the ones where if it was happening to to the, if it happened to the, the the two teams, right? Let's just say Team A and the defence. Well, that's not a goal. But if it was doing the other end, that's a goal. You know, like. Well, you know, if it happened, none of them would question it. It's a goal. It's, you it's know. a goal. Uh, but the thing is, they probably with the goal line technology and stuff, they could probably <coughs> do it now. Yeah. And any time the ball was released any air, it's like, what's well, not this? That's just a crazy one. And and what, what's your knowledge and the loss of the game? What's what's the the te- the the pressure on the ball got to be oh I can't remember I, I, I knew this for years because um, I would always sort out the balls for the games I was playing at I had a, a pressure gauge and everything I don't want it in pun like PSI aye. I can't remember um, I'll either say something really high or something really low um, I can't remember I can't remember I can't yeah. remember the, the values but 0.61.1 atmosphere at sea level sort of about there <laughs> About there, I think. So if if we do that as a circle, yeah. about there, yeah. it was it was twelve pun in, you in said. all. Aye, aye. 0.61.1 Has there ever been an, an incident come up during the game, Stephen, where you've thought I've never encountered this? I'm not sure what I've, what happens with this one. Has there ever been a really odd incident that you've went? I've never come across this. But with the just during during a match, has there something happened that you've kind of pondered for a moment, like? What? I've never... Well, I'll, I'll give an example, maybe there is a rule for it, but playing on artificial pitches, sometimes you have the wires across the top, you know, that they have nets that they separate. Yep. Now, whenever we've played in that, we've always said to the referee, how are you going to handle? Because every single time, the ball will hit it, and it just drops. Yep. So I don't know, is there a rule for... Is there some, something that already applies to that, or is that the sort of thing you would say... We need to. I've I've recognised this could happen, so everybody, we're just going to play on in that situation. Or if it happens, no matter what, it's a drop ball. What would you say to that? I don't know. Um, I mean, remember, was it no back in the eighties that they, they get rid of the wee kind of loop for the nets? Yeah, the, the, the after what happened at yeah. Partick Thistle, <laughs> everyone seems to happen at Partick Thistle. <laughs> remember last year it happened again where yeah. they celebrated a goal and the goal wasn't given, and yeah. you know, and the the refs looking at the players and the, the assistants standing there and they're still celebrating and they're like. What's going on? Yeah. So next minute the defenders start running out with the ball, and then the players stop celebrating and chase after them. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, back to Tom's question. Then I mean, has there been a situation where to be like this? It's like, well, you know, you're standing there. So what are you doing, ref? You know, oh, I'm having to think about it. I well, I, I remember doing a, the Lancey tournament a few years ago, and. It's young boys, it's a festival, it's the end of the season, you know, Lindsay, who've got many, many uh, youth teams mm. and th- th- they've produced many, many great players over the years. Des McCoon, a Partick Thistle, yeah. was one of them that c- came through Lindsay. Um, and, and I was refereeing this game up at Loreto and the the manager had made, it, he thought he was making a substitute because... Over at the other side of the park, his, his wee player who went down injured, he was, he was under 11s or under 12s, and he thought he had went off the park. But 
I went over this You alright pal You know it's the usual <laughs> Green And I'm like oh, Come on you'll be alright wee man You got to carry on I, 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 That's it Big boy Good good man On you go So so he gets up Now he thought That that guy had went off So he, he put on another player Now this Then went on for two minutes Right Before the ball went out of play And that team then scored a goal So then the, the, the away team says to me Referee They've got 12 players on the park so I'm like, uh, so, so I'm like, wait a minute. So I'm counting. I went, oh no, so the huff. <laughs> so I then went out to the guy and I said, why have you got 12 players on the party? He went, I put a sub on for the wee guy that went off. I said, he didn't go off, he stayed on. And and I'm like, ah, what did I do? <laughs> and and the, the game next to me, my, my mate Gary that I <laughs> spoke about earlier on, I, I said, guys, hold on a minute here. I'm going to get this right here. <laughs> I actually didn't know what to do. I went out to my pal. She's Gary, wait a day. 12 players, blah, 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 explained the situation. And Gary went, I don't know. <laughs> so we, I think um, the, the, the outcome was you had uh, you, you had to chop off the goal because you can't have 12 players on the park. And play had to go back yeah. to the first incident where you restarted play before the substitute come on so the goal had to get chopped off and we had to restart with a throw in to that team that actually scored the goal and put them Which back I, in I 11 players that just seems like the logical and correct thing to do yeah yeah. yeah. yeah so. but imagine that happening in an amateur game uh, yeah. so, now senior football that, here's a belter for you I'm on the line up at Brecon Um I'll no mention the referee's name. He was a FIFA referee at the time. And we're, we come out for the second half, so I'm on the dugouts, so I run up the hill. Oh, no. No, the, the far side assistance, he's up the hill. So he's run up the hill, checked the net. I'm at the dugouts at Brecon, the, the wee wall behind me, and I run down to that net, and then I, I go back over to my line. So I've counted my players, so... You just, you just couldn't tend because you know your keeper's there so so I, I'm like that to the referee give him the thumbs up so he turns around to the other assistant he gives him the thumbs up starts the game so next minute rumble 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 what's going on you know I'm I'm getting into lane I'm running and it's wee crunchy the Falkirk uh, guy he was the, the, the McAllister McAllister he was the assistant up at Breakin or the manager at Breakin at the time rumble 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 Stevie Stevie so, what is it, Crunchy? He went, they've not got their fucking keeper in. <laughs> and like, ah. So it's the far side. So I looks up and I'm, I'm so you, you quickly look and like, ah, 10 players, no keeper. <laughs> <laughs> so the referee turns around and looks at me and, and he's like, ah, you can see him get fucking flagged down. So I'm like that, pointing, goalkeeper. And he looks up and I'm, you see the blood drain out his face. Chalk white. I thought it was Casper the ghost. So he blows the whistle. So just as he blew the whistle, out comes the goalkeeper. He'd been doing a dump. So the goalkeeper runs out and there's this big cheer. So so the, the game had went on like 12 or 13 seconds at the time. So the referee then gets him into place, then goes to drop the ball. So I'm like, that's not how you restart play. So I'm, bzz, bzz, and he's like, get your flag down. So I'm like, no, because there's a supervisor in the stand. And you're, you know, like was you, this before you'd, after? This, before this was, you'd done that thing at Lindsay? Yeah, th uh, this was before that, yeah. Right, so, right, so you didn't know 
yeah. from that experience what yeah. should have been done yeah yeah so so there's so there's so many laws and see it's it's the, the ones that hardly ever happen are the ones that you know that you don't remember it's wait no sorry that, 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 that would be the different the game needs to have a goalkeeper yes so that's how it's from instead of having 12 on yeah yeah. You'd need the goalkeeper. Yeah, you, you, you cannot start a game without a goalkeeper. You can start it without, you know, you can start with 10, yeah, 9, yeah. 8, or yeah, 7 yeah. players. You, you need 7 players to start a game, but you can't start without a goalkeeper okay. for uh, both teams. My, my dad was always fond of saying there's only two positions yeah. it's a goalkeeper and 10 yeah. others. Yeah. You know, you yeah. have 10 right backs, technically, yeah. but you need a goalkeeper. So, so he goes to drop the ball again. So I steps onto the park, buzzing, and I'm going, no, come here. Come here, you're, you're not doing that, that's not right. So he comes running out and he's raging with me by this time. And he's like, What the fuck is it? I said, Look, you can't restart the play with a drop ball because the game cannot start unless the goalkeeper's in. You need to restart with the kickoff again. And he went, Get your flag done and get off the park. Went over and restarted with a drop ball. Uh-huh. And after that is when they started doing the laws of the game test at St Andrews where they, they, they gave you big questions and a, a big sheet and all that mm. and you had to fill it because they weren't happy that a few incident, incidents had happened and play was restarted correctly or, or whatever, yeah. you know, so. No, that's really interesting. That That's, that's fascinating. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, moving on to page 19. Um, another fascinating one whether this um, we'll, we'll go through it so number two it says at the end of a match a player picks up the ball and runs off with it into the dressing room is he breaking any law not in my opinion okay so you, you, the referee's meant to take the ball and yeah. take it back into his change room but yeah. I mean unless it again it's a common sense thing why why look for a problem when there's no mm. a problem unless it's a player from the away team trying to pinch ah. a ball for the home team but there's nothing wrong with that yeah so, so the, they do say the law 2 states the ball shall be considered the property of the association or club on whose ground the match is played and at the close of play it must be returned to the referee but as you say why cause a problem yeah. if you don't need to uh, number 7 on the same page I love I love these ones that involve dogs. <laughs> so a forward shoots and the ball is on its way into the goal when it's deflected wide by a dog running onto the pitch. Can you award a goal? Absolutely not, because the, the, in the first place, the ball's not crossed the line, mm-hmm. so a goal cannot be awarded. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, it says international board decision number two of law 10 states, makes it clear that you cannot allow a goal when the ball has been prevented by some outside agency from passing into the goal. So as you say, it's, yeah. it's not went into the goal, so you can't assume that it, yeah. you know, it's a goal. Um, it would be restarted by dropping the ball at the place where it came into contact with the dog. Yep. Now I find that interesting that the previous one about the deflated ball says the the drop is where the player took the shot from but with this one mm-hmm. it's where it it's makes where the contact, contact yeah so but under, see under the new law change with this drop balls in the in the box now under the new laws that would be a drop ball in the 18 yard box which would go directly to the goalkeeper so mm-hmm. it wouldn't be even even be contested well, so the, the attacking uh, team loses out there was um, there was something I saw and we spoke about this about there was one of these I think I saw previously and it said that goalkeeper couldn't handle the ball from a it used to be that a goalkeeper couldn't handle the ball from a, 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 a drop ball. ball yeah so that must have been something that changed yeah, as well yeah it's changed because, as well because that happened at a Clyde Bank game just a few weeks back where the 
the referee just you know nobody around him and just drops it the keeper and the keeper picks it up so well I mean, we were just talking about this the other week it, it seems the drop balls much more prevalent these days for just getting I guess it used to be years ago you would only get a drop ball when there was an unusual incident but it wasn't yeah. a foul but now you get a lot of head knocks yeah. and players putting the ball out for treatment <clears> so yeah. I guess the drop ball was coming into the game yeah. a, a lot a lot more now, and the other one as well if the ball touches the referee now yeah. it's, a drop, it's a drop ball it goes to the team that, that who had the ball when it kicked off you and the, the attacker the, the other team they're not allowed within four yards of the drop ball now right. because you can't put them straight back under pressure because mm. they weren't under pressure when like, the ball they passed the ball and it hit me you know yeah. so uh, as I say they just keep tweaking the laws and <laughs> making things some some things are better but a lot of things are just causing more problems yeah. mm-hmm. so on, on to page 21 here this is from May 1970 <laughs> it's um, they've got a four, uh, a drawing of a referee and he's looking at a, a football player on the park smoking a cigarette so it says during play you see a player smoking is this allowed? <laughs> no yeah. no it does say no but it says although not specifically covered in the laws smoking by players or match officials is not permitted during the game so why isn't if it's not permitted why is it not covered in the laws? it's I don't mm. know Maybe bringing the game Into disrepute Or something well, like that maybe. You, you imagine him Going up to a player And stubbing it in him You mm. know it's Everything new I mean Because there, There's a The jewellery Is a no-no yeah, yeah. F, f, um, f, Now for, for, for everything I mean Probably the wedding ring's the only one that you would allow with a bit of tape because you you do get wedding rings that you can you know they never take it off and the, the fingers are swollen. Yeah. I mean I remember Brian McGinley telling me once that he says to him well well you better go and get a hacksaw and cut your finger off because you're no playing with the ring on mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the rings off the finger you know <laughs> but um, aye okay page twenty two then just jumping along I found this one really funny actually when I, I, I saw it ages ago. And it says, you are refereeing a junior match on a ground neutral to the two teams. At halftime, you're informed that the groundsman has taken down the goal nets, locked them in the storeroom and left the ground. Can you allow play to go on? Firstly, what an absolute arse of a groundsman. Eh? <laughs> but, um, so basically, can, can you allow the, the play to go on? Uh, I think it would be stupid to to put the, the game on because it's the, the usual you know you know what it's like when you first start out refereeing and when I was doing it and there was no nets and you're pointing for a goal kick and next thing players are swarming you that was a goal mm. you're, you're just going to create problems you yeah. know that's, again th- th- this is years ago when things are different but I mean if, if you've no got goal nets don't, don't give yourself problems mm. so I actually say you can allow play to go on but it's a, goal nets are not compulsory Compulsory by law, which I'm, I'm guessing they must be now. Um, if the competition rules, maybe it's around that. Say they must be provided. You <coughs> report the facts to the officials governing the competition after completing the game. Now, one of the things we saw about when we were looking at the Leeds Arsenal FA Cup uh, final, there was a throwback. There was lo- it was looking back to the very first FA Cup, and they had a photograph of it. And it showed you by the line, and actually had an extra official at the on the goal line um, because there was no nets. Mm-hmm. So it's just like we've come round full circle again there. Yeah. But I think when eighteen ninety one, I think it was that that was the, the officials were no longer required there. But I think in eighteen ninety they invented nets 
So I'm assuming the reason for them being there was probably to mm. adjudicate whether actually went in through the, the goals or not. Yeah. So it all ties back to that. Um, page 23, uh, number two. We've got a linesman is annoyed because you have overruled his signal, <laughs> throws his flag to the ground. What action do you take? <laughs> well, there's quite a few bits of action that you could take. Um, the, the huff is a, is a perfectly legitimate response. Yeah, um, I absolutely. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the referee's the main man. You know, you've got to accept his decision, and he, according to the laws, has got the right to overrule you. Mm. Just because you might be in a better position for offside doesn't mean yeah. you've given the right decision so for you may have been distracted or you you may have seen a guy that with the new laws and how it's it's not an offence to be in an offside position so you might have seen the ball getting whipped over and there's a guy in an offside position and a guy runs through and he runs through as well and the guy that, that was in an onside position gets the ball and, and he might have flagged I mean we've all done it done yeah. it in the juniors and, and it's the referee's right to, to overrule the, the, the assistant so mm. the, you, see, you see a lot where um the linesman will flag for offside and the referee has seen it actually come out or yeah. you know the, the flag one way and it's came off a different head than what the linesman yep. they'll overrule that as well so what would you do in this situation if, if the linesman threw it and said that's it well you, if, if it was that bad you would be going over to him and saying listen you pick that flag up I said then um, you get on with the game I said and you'll be reported you know mm. like you you'll report him for what he done because he, he's got to be professional you can't you can't do that well, here they, they do give you the option to dismiss the linesman yeah, yeah. and look for a replacement so yeah. would you brandy your card um I think um, that wouldn't be wise, would it? I don't think it would <laughs> that, be required. That, would just, but that wouldn't improve yeah, the situation, nah, I don't yeah, think, like, would it? Throwing a, ca a can of petrol out of mm. fire, isn't it? Yeah. So no, number seven here is, is again, th this is probably more prevalent to amateur football. Um, so in a local park, a public footpath crosses the pitch. Can you prevent anyone using the footpath during the match? And I love the photograph there, or the photograph, <laughs> the, the picture. There's a game going on. And it just looks this well-to-do family. So it's it's a mum, a dad, a couple of kids, and the mum is pushing a pram, and they're just walking across the pitch while the, the play goes on. So can you prevent them from doing that? You, you can't, you know, because it's it's a public footpath. So if they, the, the minute you notice them coming on, you, it's the same if, if a dog comes on the park. You just got to blow the whistle and stop playing, yeah. wait till they're out of the way, and, and then carry on. It was, it was a, a great picture that Stevie Duggan, the Claybank club photographer, took when Claybank were at Shots Bon Accord uh, a couple of years ago and a woman pushed a pram and a dog round, just round the perimeter of the, the touchline. Uh, wasn't on the pitch, but passed the dugout. Uh, just pushing the pram, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, I've, got, I've got to get somewhere. <laughs> uh, page 27. Um, we're going to look at number two. Um, for, yeah. Number two, and I, I, I always, as soon as I see this, I think that player looks like Charles Bronson. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So he's wearing he's wearing a medallion, but a medallion as well. And he says, as the teams are walking on the field, you notice a player wearing a medallion on a thin metal chain around his neck. Is there anything wrong with this? You've sort of just touched on yeah. it a wee bit there. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's, it's a no no. Um, jump to page twenty eight. Uh, this one is there's a wee interesting bit about this so there's a referee and a linesman again 
Um, there's, no, there's, no, there's no deliberate theme going on here. About, <laughs> you know, it says, after a goal has been scored, you're about to signal the kick-off when the linesman attracts your attention, informs you he observed the scorer intentionally deflect the ball into the goal with his hand. What do you do? Well, that's an easy one. Play's not been restarted, so you can change their decision. Yeah. Um, had had play been restarted, then when out of play, there's no comeback. Mm. Um, so if if he's informing the referee, that's what like, we spoke about earlier on. Yeah. What did you see there? And he says, "Well, I saw him kick the ball into the net." Mm. Well, well, I'm telling you, one hundred percent. If you'd have seen what I'd have seen, you'd have chopped off the goal and you'd have awarded a, a direct free kick for the handball and you would have cautioned them. Yeah. So, uh, again, um, the referee's got to take the assistant's advice. He's got to chop off the goal and award the direct free kick to the mm. defending team. It's pretty much what this says, but th- there's a little bit in it which just got a question. It says, if the linesman is neutral and you did not see the offence... We're talking about ifs here now. But but why? The, I don't get this if the linesman is neutral. Aye, it might have been a club official. So imagine I'm, oh, ref- right, right, okay. I, I'm, re- I'm refereeing Clyde Bank and you're my two linesmen, right? And Clyde Bank have just lost a goal in the 89th right. minute. Okay, that, 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 to, that, to go down one nothing and you put your flag up, then I would be thinking twice about I'm taking just, your I, advice. I, I just thought maybe it was questioning the impartiality of the... You know, the official linesman it's like what, why would Aye. that even come into it but yeah. no, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good point I hadn't even considered that yeah so if, yeah if it's a coach or something <laughs> fair enough um, page 29 I've got a couple more to go here page number 7 while play is in progress you see a defender a defending player strike a spectator who's run onto the pitch what would you do in this case well, I don't want to answer this <laughs> <laughs> That's a belter. This happened with Clyde Bank, didn't it? Right. Clyde Bank, Dundee. Oh, yeah. Um, The way I'm seeing this, um, oh, I could make a right fool of myself here to get this right. So, obviously, um, you're stopping play and you're ordering off the defender for violent conduct, irrespective of the right or the wrong decision is because you've sent him off for violent conduct, is it a penalty kick? To the attacking team, even though the spectator is no a player, yeah. or is it a, a drop ball under the old laws? Mm. Well, um, th- there's a third option, which is the one that they've said, which is an indirect free kick. And an indirect free because kick. I yeah. don't think you get indirect free well, kicks well, in the penalty. Again, I'm, I'm thinking under the new yeah. laws because any drop ball in the box now goes to the, the goalkeeper. Mm. So so uh, you're right, the player gets sent off and it's restarted with an indirect free kick by the attacking side where the offence occurred. Um, and on to page, well, on to page 30 here. So this is this is one that I love, I love. So a, a defender, and the, the picture here is of a player running with a ball and the defender is coming at him about three foot off the ground, two feet in the air, um, and it says a defender jumps with both feet in order to block the ball which is about to be played by an attacker must you penalise a defender for a two-footed tackle and it's got two-footed in, in quotes here so I'll, I'll just read what it says here because we had a little chat about this it says the laws make no reference to a two-footed tackle yep. if you consider the action of the defender to be dangerous you could ward an, an, an indirect free kick against them uh, but again, that'll be under know, the, the old laws. Yeah, that, that, that's coming back to yeah. how difficult it was to get yeah. booked and how difficult it was to get sent off. 
and we've, I mean, we've seen games um, from the past. I, I, I still, there's one game in particular that sticks out in my mind that I saw relatively recently. It was a Scotland England game, and it was Steve Capel and um, Gordon Strachan and stuff going in. And they were going in full meaty challenges, but they were sort of boom challenge, and then they were just getting up and running away. There was no mm-hmm. writhing about. There was no complaining about things, and it was like I guess it was a different era. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at that picture there and you look at the scenario and you think, nah, he's going off. He's going off mm. for that. There's, there's, whether that's intentional or not, you, as soon as you leave the ground, you're going like that, you're, you're endangering the opponent. But no, indirect free kick. So let, let me paint another scenario for you with the same incident there with the guy jumping off with the two feet. So you can clearly see the, the guy that's coming in to challenge for the mm-hmm. ball with his two feet. But he's nowhere near the player. He's only jumping to the ball and he's only going to make contact with the ball and he's not going to make contact with the player. So you still want a red card for that? Um, I would, yeah. I think it's. I, I think as soon as you leave the ground... Um, I think if, if, if you're not in control with yourself and I think as soon as you leave the ground with two feet like that, you anything could happen. But, but if... If, I mean, you, if you've played through the incident, yeah. what I'm trying to say is, when I was saying that there, is like, so he's made that two-footed tackle and you see he's jumping onto the ball, right? And and he's 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 a yard away from the player. So he's come in with the two feet, eyes fixed on the ball, goes in and, and just stops the ball, doesn't he make contact with the player? You still want a red card? Okay, well, well we're, we're getting further and further away from the player here. <laughs> no, but um, you, you can clearly see that he's 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 on the ball. It's it's not as if he's over the. You, th- you, th- you move him forward, yeah. and, he, and he's going over the ball. I mean, I think it looks like an overly aggressive challenge that's, yeah. that's going on there. Um, but one of one of the it's a different sort of challenge, but one of the ones I I go back to. And I remember that at the time it was a Champions League game, and it was Man United. And who was it? It wasn't ever. It was. Um, one of, one of the players, there was a high ball and he and he jumped up and he went really high with it. Aye, and that's and right. The player came round from the back of him and he got sent off uh-huh. for it. Mm. And it was like I, I just couldn't understand why mm. why that was. You know, was this nanny? Yeah, nanny. Aye. It was just an incredible. I, I, I still to this day, it's like I, I don't see how on earth he had any <coughs> idea that player was coming. In well, I remember. I think it was Roy, it was Roy Keane who was saying, yeah, he should have been sent off. Because Keane was saying, what does he think? He's got all that space to himself. He can just turn around. But I seem to remember Roy Keane was the only one who was going, oh, it's a red card. Whereas mm-hmm. the rest of the panel were going, no, oh, it's on. Mm-hmm. Un- well, re- remember Manny at Liverpool a couple of years ago at the start of the season where Manny had his, his back, his, he was facing his own goal and his, his, the, the ball had bounced up and he was going to kick it back the way and the guy came in mm. in this direction to header the ball now he's watching the ball and, and he alright his foot's high and dangerous but his sole intention is to play the ball he's nipped in just a, f- a fraction ahead of him he's not even seen him doesn't he know he's there and he gets sent off for it but maybe maybe I'm arguing against what I'm saying about this two footed one but that it's like you know yeah. you're saying his, his foot's high and dangerous but it's only dangerous yeah if there's something near it Absolutely. to make it dangerous yeah. so so I guess that's arguing against what I'm saying about yeah. in your scenario there with that I don't know but anyway it's an indirect free kick and everybody's happy uh-huh. but the last one here page 33 so 
We've got a, it's another smoking on the pitch and it says you're refereeing a charity match between teams of stage personalities when one player, a well-known comedian, and looking at the, the drawing, I, I don't know who else it could be. Um, I'm not even going to mention him, but he's got a big cigar. No, then, no, then. Yeah, that gives it away. <laughs> he decides to add a little fun to the game by lighting up a large cigar. Is there any objection to this? We're talking here about a charity match and we're talking about a bit of fun. So you're talking about raising money and you're talking about bending the rules a little. Um, is there anything wrong with it? No, as long as he's he's having a laugh, he's he's not doing what I said earlier, using it to stub a, a See, this, a this is one of just exactly what you said there, yeah. is one of the things he mentioned about yeah. this. He says, smoking can be dangerous to other players. And the thing, this is maybe where I got it for. It says it can bring the game into disrepute. Mm. It doesn't say what to do. Yeah. It just says in this scenario. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay, so I think we've we've got through the majority of that. That's that's that has been fun, um, interesting, and educational. Um, at this page, I'm I'm just wanting to give a shout out to our charity partner. So we we work um, with. Um, we try and work with a charity for each of the seasons we do with the podcast and we try and give them some you know um, shout outs and a bit of exposure as well as try to raise some money for them as well and our, our partner this at this time is back on side um, so here's just some information about them so here in the UK one in four people will experience a mental health illness each year mental health includes a person's emotional psychological and social well-being an obvious widespread widespread problem, yet it is estimated that only a quarter of sufferers receive the ongoing treatment, leaving the majority of the UK population tackling these debilitating issues on their own. Here at Back On Side, we have recognised this ongoing dilemma and are determined to rebuild a society where no young person or adult is left tackling mental health problems alone. So that's Back On Side. They do a great job. It's at Back On Side on Twitter. Um, what we do here as well, we try and support them as much as we can. Um, we have a for each podcast, we're going to have a donate button, which will be on our website. And for each pound that you donate, you firstly we, we split that 50-50, 50% goes to the the charity, 50% goes to the the podcast in order to keep it running. And what it essentially does for each pound, it gives you a raffle ticket um, for for a draw and the prize will be a goodie bag and it'll contain the, the actual, well, in this case, it'll be the, the mock-top magazine that we've done and spoke about in the show here. And we'll throw in a bunch of other goodies, um, possibly some books and some other stuff from my collection. So you can get all that stuff on shootthebreezepod.co.uk. That's one word, shootthebreezepod.co.uk. Or you can follow us on Twitter at shoottb underscore podcast. Um, and as I say, back on side is that back on side. Um, in terms of what's what's going on with yourself at the moment, is there anything happening that you want to uh, speak no, about? I'm just a referee a Saturday morning amateur league. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for, uh, I gave up uh, the, the senior game, that'll be 10 years ago, come November, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, um, just to try and keep fit, you know, I'm, I'm getting on now mm-hmm. and. I'll be 52 in a couple of months so I, I like to try and keep fit so I, I, do, I do the games on a Saturday morning to, um, just to keep that going um, and music wise yeah I, I love my music I think that's my passion more than football um, 
love listening to music, love following rock, classic rock bands, prog bands and all that. Um, I play in a band called Keelhold. It's a kind of a, a rock covers band. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we've got our first gig coming up in March where we'll be playing the likes of ACDC, Judas Priest, Kiss, Iron mm-hmm. Maiden, all the, all the, the usual stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, make, make sure we get a... Uh, you know, some way to contact that, and we'll put it out on the website and on Twitter. Aye, you know, sure, no, that'd be great. Thanks, yeah. So, um, and on that, I just as we do at this point, I'd like to say a big thanks to Pete Wiley, who was in the obviously the mighty Wah for letting us use the story of the blues for the music in our show. And um, you can catch up with Pete on www.petewiley.co.uk. And lastly. Um, and no means least we'd like to thank our producer Diane Jarden for her great work and support helping out uh, the Shoot the Breeze podcast you can check out www.transmissionroom.co.uk that's one word transmission room and you can book music recording rehearsal facilities here in Clyde Bank and it's great work from Diane as always so on that we hope you've enjoyed it and I'd just like to say thank you as always to Tom thanks Tom thank you and thanks Stephen it's been absolutely brilliant thank you for joining us and um, educating us a little bit so thanks for having us Andy uh, and Tom it's been an absolute pleasure so if you're out there and you're listening to this please, and you've enjoyed it please share it with your friends let everybody know about it go onto the website go onto the Twitter account um, support us support back on side transmission room Pete Wiley just support everybody um, until the next time Let's shoot the breeze.